and welcome to episode 438 of the Awesomes Comics Podcast, the place where the small press <laughs> makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt, and I'm having problems with words this evening, but joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And he's a filthy star beast. It's Tony Esmond. <laughs> Show me your star beast. <laughs> Later, Vince does an impression of a TARDIS. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I try to, but inadvertently... New Age TARDIS, Series 3. Well, I, I inadvertently get very close to the sound effect that would appear in a comic book. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Do they ever, in any episode, have fixed the TARDIS's kind of chameleon device? Yes, thing? they do. Oh, and caused a bit of a furore in Doctor Who fandom. God, why oh. are we talking about Doctor Who? Because this why? week we're talking about yeah. Doctor Who. <laughs> that was the most Doctor basic statement I've ever, say, ever said. <laughs> but Doctor Who comics. Yes. Never mind all that timey winding. Small press Doctor yes. Who comics. Yes. Yes, because yes, we get together with cutaway comics. They were nice guys, weren't they? Yep. Yep. Oh, Good well, geezers. Indie comics of dudes, man. full really of nice stuff. people and yeah. who are very Fair passionate enough. about sort of Doctor Who and such. Now, we did put a shout-out on uh, the Twitter beforehand, and this is going to be a very Doctor Who like front-loaded episode. We'll get into the, the chat um, shortly. But And I know this is a question that was sort of put to the, the guests as well, but we asked you lovely people, who's your favourite Doctor in terms of Doctor Who? Some of them got it right, didn't they? There's no right or wrong answer. <laughs> there is. Because, Tom Baker no, is because the only whatever, right answer. Because whatever your favourite Doctor Who is, that's your favourite. That's all that matters. Because I'll tell you, Tony, Tom Baker's not my favourite Doctor Who. Well, no. you're wrong. Do you know why? Because I haven't watched any Tom Baker episodes. I hate, right, I'm coming Look to your house at this, that. This Fucking week. bring it. Come house. on. Come on. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm bringing my DVD collection. I'm bringing my VHS collection. What a Christmas house. it'll be. I'll get the Ferrero Rocher ready. We, uh, should I do a quick shout out for some of the people that responded? Yes, right yes, Dan. We've got uh, Rob out. Turner who said uh, Matt Smith is his favourite uh, Doctor because he uh, met him before he was the Doctor uh, as a drama student at the UEA. We've got Lee Griss who never was a big fan of Doctor, uh, Doctor Who. He was yeah, more of a Star Wars kid. Uh, but after you... Iron Legion. Uh, 30 plus issues of Doctor Who Weekly. The story's really clicked with him, so his Doctor is Tom Baker, the comics version. That's a great answer. Correct, Lee. Uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy Clift, it's uh, Doctor Tennant, uh, David Tennant. Got to uh, Doctor Who with the reboot. Star Trek was my thing growing up and didn't think anyone could match Equiston. But Tennant's range of cheeky, kind and heroic, dark to cold, just amazed me. Uh, you got some wank called Dan, who said uh, it's... What's his name? Sylvester McCoy. And yeah. we've got Andrew Clemson. Zero shame. Eccleston was my gateway. And there's some offensive content, which I've pressed. Show. Yeah, yeah. Is there's there? Who's there. done no. offensive content? Oh, there's nothing there. There's oh. nothing there. Um, okay. The internet just saw it as an awesome comics podcast feed and thought it was offensive. <laughs> um, my favourite TV be. doctor is Hugh Laurie's house. But by well, the by, um, no, it isn't. It's just Hugh Grant. You know that he, did you know that Hugh Grant played Doctor Who? I didn't. Yeah, he played it in the comic release special. Ah, there you go. Wow. Yeah, they tried didn't, to get him for the Eccleston role, but he could, they couldn't afford him. Didn't Ac- wow. uh, Atkinson do a Doctor Who? Yeah, he did the same one. That same episode. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, what about what's, your, what's the actor for Doctor Screw, Tony? I'm surprised he didn't. Doctor Screw. I don't know actually. Right. While we get into this, because didn't bring si- up Doctor Screw, we should have said that as a possible no, comic listeners, like this is going off the rails. <laughs> you don't want to hear what we're about to talk about now. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about some Doctor Who comics and then uh, join us in a bit for some shout-outs and, and a whole ton of recommendations. Tom in now. But, but 
before that, do the theme tune. Go on. Da dum da dum da dum da dum. I can't put it. Come on, Tony. Yeah. I'm not singing for you. You don't have to. You just got to make. You just got to make noises. Actually, it is one of the best TV themes, isn't it? It's a great theme. Yeah. The originals. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The OG. Anyway, check this out. Okay then. This week we're talking about a staple of the UK <laughs> science fiction scene. Something that is a bit of a monolith, isn't it, really, in, in the sort of genre. Obviously, we're talking about Doctor Who. We probably said it in the preamble beforehand, but we've recorded this before we do the pre-bit, so a little behind the scenes <laughs> there. But we didn't want... Me and Dan didn't want it to be an hour of Tony talking and me and Dan going, huh? Yeah, yeah. What? So yeah. we drafted I've already in, made you listen to it. We drafted in some experts to talk about yeah. this. And we're very pleased to be joined by the crew behind Cutaway Comics, Gareth Kavanagh and Ian Winterton. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Good to have you guys. Enjoy yeah. your comics. Now, oh, yeah. as I said before. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, of course, you know, it's a bit of a... Well, what what can you say about Doctor Who? I mean, it's pretty epic. It's certainly on the in the eyeballs and on the lips of many people at the moment. What with the celebrations and new episodes and some classic comics and stuff, we will be focusing this chat a lot more on the comics about Doctor Who. But Tony, it's, I mean, out of all all three of us here in Awesome Pod HQ, Tony is the you know, I mean, currently he's wearing a scarf and a hat like Tom Baker. <laughs> I'm dressed as Romana One. I've told you this earlier. Later, I'll be changing into Leela's outfit just for you, Vince. This is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm. I mean, comics is number one for me, but I am a bit of a Doctor Who fan. But these guys put me in the shade. I've got to tell you. Um, but we couldn't have you on, guys, without testing you to start with. So we've got a couple oh, of questions for you. Oh God. Um, who oh, God. who who is the best doctor? What in comics? No, in on well, yeah, in comics and on, let's just say the best TV doctor. Who's the best one? Uh, well, Tom Baker for me. You know, he he was my first. I think he sets the template for everyone that comes after him. You know, David Tennant's got a lot of Tom Baker in his DNA. You know, uh, Capaldi's got the grumpy. Um, Tom Baker in his DNA. I, I think he he kind of sets the template for everyone, one way or another. After that, he's the daddy, and he, that is actually the correct answer. Thank you. Yeah, well, um, we're, we're both the same age, so I'd say Tom Baker, but with with Paul good. McGann edging in because I love me audios. Because uh, oh, the big okay. finish, yeah, I've been listening yeah, to because the big finish. His, his run on his run of audios is is absolutely brilliant. That's such but, an interesting one, that isn't it? Because like obviously yeah. he came in to do that ill-fated movie way back in the day and it, yeah. it, it felt like you know that was pronounce it dead do you know what i mean it was just sort of dying yeah. and then then you hear it like mm. afterwards that that character became a thing through the audio and the rumor is he's stories. coming back really okay rumor is he's getting his own series again i think it's a debunked rumor is it debunked uh, is it? Oh, people we you know if it turns right. out not to be no one would be more delighted than me yeah so yeah i was listening I've, to I've the um people I was into Human no. Resources with uh, Lucy Miller this morning. Oh, uh, brilliant. That's a great episode. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Get off subject. One more question. Yeah, yeah. Who is the best monster? Vill- let's say villain. Oh. <laughs> Very topical for Davros in his travel, in his Mark III travel uh, thing, <laughs> which is not a wheelchair. But um, 
Yes. I like, I like the Bertie Bassett fella from the Sylvester oh, McCoy. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, <laughs> he's be a long, long time he's to go. He's getting his own comic, boys. Happiness Patrol is coming. He's in the oh, candy yeah, yeah. He's back. Sweet. <laughs> oh, back yeah. in the room. He's back. Yeah. Um, yeah, copyrighted. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Cyberman kid, you know? Yeah. And that's mostly because of all the, the you know, all those dead skin backup strips from Doctor Who Weekly. David um, Lloyd. David Lloyd. David Lloyd. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike you know, McMahon. Steve Moore, McMahon, and also, you know, the amazing Alan Moore. His very first yeah. strip is, is Black Legacy, which is just the best Cyberman strip ever made. So, yeah, yeah. On telly, they're a bit more variable, it must be said, but in comics... You know they are they are the 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 top for me. They are yeah. the bear. Yeah, so it's it's a bit like McGann and Audio. Cybermen are are largely better when they're in the comics. It's just yeah strange how it's come. They've got like this second life, especially when McMahon or someone draw, mm. or Adrian Simon draws them. They're just uh, Cybermen are funny ones actually. They started yeah. off as being like blokes in just sheets, didn't they, with hats on, mm. and then they became quite good, <laughs> and then they went back to being people with bubble wrap on them. And I thought, oh, they were quite good when they were in Tom Baker. Yeah, anyway, did they yeah. write out their uh, weakness to gold? I always remember that being That's it, yeah. quite a fatal that, flaw. That doesn't happen anymore. That was just yeah. oh, okay. So I what is it, it though? <laughs> like, I mean, we, we we talk about how some things are better in the comics, or some things are be- better in audio, and you know. When most people talk about Doctor Who, they're not thinking about the comics or the audio plays. They just think about the TV show, and that's and you know it's iconic for what it is. But what is it about the comic book medium that makes a good Doctor Who story that you can't do in it? Because we always talk about like you can only do this in comics. You know, you, do, you know all of yeah. this kind of stuff. But what is it about Doctor Who comics that gives you something that you can't get in these other mediums? Well, I, you know, I mean, I I think there's two things here. I mean, Doctor Who comic is at its best when it is largely delinked from the TV show. So, you know, Pat Mills and Mills and Wagner in the, in those early days and Doctor Who Weekly, you know, their take on Tom Baker's Doctor is it's 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 doing its own thing. It's 2000 AD, it's big, it's fun, it's bold. Um and that makes it big, you know, and then and then it happens later on at different times whether it's it's Scott Gray and Martin Garrity, whether it's um, Dave Gibbons and Steve Parkhouse, you know, once they give those guys their head and they're just going where they want with the character and, and telling big, expansive, clever, interesting stories, it's at its best. It's at its worst when you're trying to... They're tying it very close to what's going on on the screen because with the best will in the world, you know that... If there's an independent, you know, if, if they've got a brand new companion or brand new characters in the comic strip, then then anything can happen to those characters, good or bad. They can develop, they can die, they can leave, they can change. Once you're traveling with who, you know, once you've got everyone locked in from that, that TV show, I always think it's a little bit, it's very constraining. You've got to land up with everyone exactly the same as they are on the TV. You can't do anything else with them. So There's been a lot of discussion about it being... But there's been, from what you're saying there, there's a lot of discussion that's gone on historically about it being canon. So, yeah. you know, is the comic canon? And I remember there being a discussion around Frobisher, mm. was the the uh, for the people that know is the Penguin character that came into mm. the um, into the Doctor Who comic at one point. I think I'm going to say in the 90s, and then he made it into a big finish 
audio and they said well big finish is canon so frobisher mm. the talking penguin is now canon well, it's a confusing space do you think? Well, he, he he's talking about i love canon. talking about canon as yeah, gareth knows because obviously doctor who doesn't have a canon really but right because it's just i mean none of these things do but it's a bit like similar with i don't know star wars and it's expanded universe and people shouting about well, they can't. I mean, Gareth always tells the story of someone saying, "Well, they can't have Chewbacca back when they're doing when the uh, when the Force Awakens was being made because he's been killed in a novel." And it's like, well, <laughs> that novel that novel was read by five hundred people, so canon is very loose. I mean, Doctor <laughs> right. Who even more so because it's been going since nineteen sixty three, and they were making the rules up as they went along. And but basically, I mean, Russell T Davies always says, if it's not if you can't access it by the BBC license fee. It's not canon, oh, which takes big finish out of the picture. Even although they were BBC Seven ran some big finish. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So some of that could be argued to be canon, but right. even then, it's like it's know, not there now. Stuff yeah, that was on, stuff that was on that was still being contradicted in the by the TV show later. I mean, ultimately, it just doesn't matter. And I love I love talking about canon almost as a sport to see if I can drive people <laughs> mad. Because some of my favorite, generally, some of my favorite things I don't actually consider to be canon, but it doesn't matter. Doctor Who is literally just the best premise in the world. And you go, you you basically go, he's the TARDIS has landed. Do you accept the story that we're about to walk into? Yes. And whatever, whatever medium it's in, then you're just judging it on the merits of that. So you can get into great big arcs. And some of my favorite things, I mean, I mean, we're talking about Parkhouse, but you know, John Ridgway, John Ridgway and Parkhouse doing the Colin Baker years because the Colin Baker years on TV were fairly, I hated them. I was a yeah. teenager and the show was a bit shit, um, <laughs> in my opinion. And Colin Baker, I've, you know, I've worked with Colin Baker and he says himself, the Big Finish stuff is much better. And he's than, much better in it, yeah. Yeah, that than than the than the scripts he got given in the BBC. Well, you don't have to see the coat as well, do you? you know, yeah, yeah. But 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 <laughs> for me, as a Doctor Who fan, picking up Doctor Who magazine was my Doctor Who. Frobisher, mm. that was where Frobisher came in in the eighties. Frobisher drawn by Ridgeway with yeah. Colin Baker, and just and it just seemed like a much better Doctor Who to me. And that that gave me some sort of solace in the TV show, Silky Teenager, going. Mm. I've never still n- never really got over Tom Baker leaving, but and but didn't Colin Baker that, write comics some comics? Build a sort well. of hole. Sorry, say again. Sorry, Colin Baker wrote some of the comics as well, didn't he? At one point, he did didn't with he... he did with John. I, yeah, I did. I did an interview with John, which you can hear on one of our extras, sort of oh, looking at his entire life. Um, in in the in uh, like well, his entire career. Uh, yeah, and part of that was Colin. Colin was so enthused by the comics that he then uh, I think it was Gary Russell. Am I right, Gareth? Yeah, it's Gary Russell. Yeah, yeah, when Gary Russell, our, our good friend and collaborator now, um, when he he was editing the magazine, he was you know approached by Colin to say, "Well, actually, I quite like to work with John Ridgway and write my own." That's nice. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. So so you know that's how much of an impact they. So maybe they were keeping him a bit happy as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. During during a sort of quite quite bad time in the TV's the show's history, I think. I mean, the, yeah. the Doctor Who comics have been notoriously patchy mm. you know i mean we started off with well i remember when john pertwee changed to tom baker they were redrawing tom baker's face on top of john pertwee's body weren't they at one point mm. yeah and then yeah that's right yeah and then, and I mean, then we had we did have a high point like you say with doctor weekly and and as it turned into the monthly the stuff there was 
was outstanding but there's a there's still there's an awful lot of um doctor who titan collections for sale in forbidden planet at the moment mm. um, yeah, well, put it that way I, yeah I, well I, what i would say is it, it's it's building on what ian said and what you've said about when it's at its best you know we yeah. i i i've got to know deskin i've got to know deskin really well who, of course created doctor who weekly and brought all that talent together yeah. you know and he always says that when you're doing a licensed property you should really just be left alone to do it that if they've agreed the license with you that you should be left alone to do it with minimal interference that it shouldn't be having things enforced on you you do you do a good job and then you renew the license and you do a good job and it's quite amazing that in the 70s and the 80s doctor who is the doctor who comic is left to do its own thing and it's left to do its own thing after doctor who's cancelled all through the 90s you know opening half of the 90s it's those those Paul McGann strips are, I think, some of the best Doctor Who ever made in any medium. Okay. And then the show comes back and, you know, it, it is then has to fit in with the TV show. Scripts are submitted for approval. Everything is submitted for approval. Every, every you know, there's people paid to have an opinion on what these guys are doing as opposed to just having a couple of loose conversations and going away and do it. And everyone goes, isn't this great? Because people can do what they want. So I think that it's at its best when it's left to do its thing. And it has its own canon as well, you know. So I think as long as that Doctor Who comic strip is consistent across the run, and I think it is, because they bring back characters like Croton, the Cyberman, who is, you know, he's a brilliant backup uh, character from 1979. But they actually make him... You know, they put him into the main strip in 1998, and they can, and no one is going. Hang on, this is a bit crackers. Um, he just, he's just there, and they're telling the stories they want, and everyone seems to like it. I think the problem that Titan have got is that they've got to tell their own story, but they can't do anything that's going to change the character, interfere with anything they're doing on the TV, contradict anything, and and they, so they've got to go through all that. And at the end of the day, someone can turn around with a wave of a hand and go, yeah, thanks, we're doing a similar idea and that now doesn't count. So yeah. It's, mm, it, yeah. it must be hard. Yeah, right? same, same with the novels. Exactly the same happened with the novels, yeah. isn't it? You know, a lot of the new adventure stuff and all that sort of thing doesn't count yeah. now, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, the thing is, is, it's like, I don't know, I keep thinking of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I love that book from the Star Wars <laughs> yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. That's not canon at all. No. It's still a good yeah. book. And so... You know, people get really angry. Well, not everyone, but a few people get so angry about canon. And I'm kind of, I kind of like it, but it's, I think Russell T. Davis's rules stand. They are, if it's not in the TV show, it didn't happen. But it doesn't matter because, because you still follow all these amazing stories. It's having a strong editor in chief. Some of my favorite things aren't technically, aren't technically in Doctor Who, aren't technically canon. Yeah, but well, you know, let me let me lead off from that, guys, because that's where I was heading with that. Is so you've got this sort of very complicated landscape, some better than others, but you know, why then did Cutaway Comics decide to enter the field of comic books? So how did what how did that all happen? Um, well, I mean, it, it goes back a while, like these things do. But basically, I used to have I used to have a pub in Manchester called the Last right. Um, and I left there. Well, it's, it's coming up to about ten years ago, so it's been a while. 
and basically we yeah we were a big we were a big real ale pub we were down the side of the old bbc in manchester so we used to have all these lovely interesting people coming in for a drink we had a lovely busy pub um then we got a smoking ban then we got a recession and then the bbc moved to salford which kind of you know right. kind of fucked us on on three fronts so i suddenly had this pub and an enormous rent to pay and enormous rates and i needed to fill it so we did a little we converted like the manager's lounge upstairs into like a little event space and we started putting stuff on and originally i had people bringing you know plays and comedy and and you know something that was interesting but i wouldn't say the plays were really to my taste you know it was there was a lot of misery porn going on and um, <laughs> an incredible amount of stories any all just about. porn or <laughs> well, yeah, well, or just yeah, misery just misery and you know i'm always sad afterwards does that count yeah there was a lot of you know a lot of it was grim and and i remember thinking none of this is particularly entertaining and i thought i need to get involved in in putting our own stuff on so we started putting together so i rung up itv and got the rights to do coronation street so we did coronation street downstairs in the pub um I rang up 2000 AD and got the rights to Halo Jones and we did Halo Jones as I could. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, um, cool. and, and then that's where I met Ian. So I met Ian and Ian came in as a sort of script editor and then, then writing on that. I emailed Russell T Davis because I had a fan, I had a fan email off Russell T Davis because he liked Vorp Vorp or fanzine. And, and then I said, can we do midnight? And he went, yeah, that sounds all right. And we just kind of did then three years of, Amazing, cool stuff, and little Doctor Who conventions and and um, screenings, and you know, and this is where I, I sort of built up this little group of absolutely brilliant writers, actors, directors, and most of us were Doctor Who fans, you know, because that's like all part of our foundation stone. It's all part of our foundation myth. We're all about the same age, or yeah. you know, we've all lived in that. So we all kind of wanted to do Doctor Who, and I remember writing down during Halo Jones rehearsal, look at spin-off comics. And I had three ideas. I had um, Leela of the Sever Team. Nice. I said, well, that'd be great. You know, like a Predator, one on the jungle, and that savage jungle with Leela. And, but uh, Chris Boucher had sold the rights to the BBC in the 70s and forgotten about it. So <laughs> that, that, honestly, I'd never seen anything like it where he said, I, I emailed Gary and I said, well, we want to do this. He said, well, he can't. The BBC own it. And I said, oh, Chris thinks he owns it. He said, oh, he doesn't. And then right. all this magical paperwork appeared from 1978. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I sold it. I, I wanted to do a sequel to the Iron Legion, adopted a sequel to the Iron Legion. So I had a, a, a couple of chats with Pat about that. But he was he was only really lukewarm on it. You know, he, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't really someone he wanted to go back to. So, you know, fair enough. You respect that. Um, and I'd also written down Paradise Towers, Happiness Patrol, and Lytton. So, and those first two didn't have great reputations as stories when they went out, but they'd grown since, and they had like complete worlds that I thought would work on comics. So I sort of, so I sort of put that on one side and tinkered away with it, and you know, the the, the Lytton project sort of took off a bit quicker but christ comics are so slow to put together i mean my god it, it, it just <laughs> the artist mate lazy see you now <laughs> it, 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 it's everything. When, it, when it's not your focus you see my day job after because i left the pub about 10 years ago and then i moved into putting arcade machines in bars and that was so that's like the day job and then i do other bits and, and comics was like a side hustle and lockdown turns up 
And suddenly we're all sat at home in our little boxes, nothing to do, no hope, (laughs) but loads, loads of bloody time. And suddenly I had brilliant friends who were artists and writers because I'd been doing Warp Warp, the the big Doctor Who comics fanzine by then for 10 years, just over 10 years. So I knew loads and loads of really cool artists and letterers and inkers and colorists. And and we were all sat at home doing, doing nothing. So it was like, well, now is the time to do this. So we just got a slate of three comics together and that's, that's pretty much where it starts. And it was Lytton the first one, was it? Lytton was the first one. So that was, that was, um, that was the first commission because Eric Saywood, the original writer said, I wouldn't mind a go at comics. So, you know, when the original writer wants, the original creator wants to write, you, you go with it, you know, you let them do so, it. They so don't... for those who don't know, so Lytton was a kind of a duplicitous soldier, mercenary, con man character from a couple of a Sideman story and a Dalek story during Peter Davidson's era. Is okay. that right? I'm right. I'm still right there, am I? Yeah, and Colin yeah. Baker. And sorry, so pardon me, Colin Baker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he did, he did two seasons, two big stories, brilliantly played by Morris Colburn. And I remember thinking this character's got, has got a life, he's got potential. And I thought, well, let's see, let's see where we go with it. Um, and yeah, that was the first one. I, I did a Kickstarter by accident. Right. Honest, <laughs> it was a lockdown Kickstarter. Kickstarter. There we go. There was a few of them, weren't there? Yeah. Well, it wasn't <laughs> even, it wasn't even that. I'll tell you what happened because I'd got the website ready and we had a big article in Doctor Who magazine. And I kind of naively thought, well, that will be enough. You know, we'll get some direct sales. And I knew the guys from Diamond um distributors through warp warp so i thought well we'll do that and put it into diamond and yeah there was a uh a cover artist called paul hanley and he said you know obviously you're gonna you're gonna kickstart it on you and i went well no i don't think so and i can't see it and he just went you you bloody idiot he said <laughs> this is extra customers extra money extra promotion you want to do it. And I kind of thought, well, maybe. And then what happened was it was just as simple as, and it changed everything for us. Um, the website wasn't ready in time. So I thought, oh, you know, fuck. The, um, this article's going to be out. Big, like, 10-page article in Do Magazine. Very prestigious. And there would be no bloody website for people to go and order things. So I thought, Christ, we better have... Um... So I thought, well, a Kickstarter is at least a place where people can go and order. Yeah. So I kind of put it up and it, and it, it did surprisingly well. I kind of like thought, well, maybe we'll raise a couple of grand and that'd be quite nice. And it, it, it did about 12 grand in the end, which was like, nice. okay, yeah. so, so this is like a thing, you know, I, I get it now. And and after that, we kind of moved through, you know, kicks now, our models now become, you know, we do a Kickstarter raise. They're always available in comic shops as well and direct order, but, you know, the model is based around the Kickstarter which is not without its problems as well. Yeah, especially in the of inflation, you know, because we had a problem with a few of ours because it takes so long to complete. Is all the costings we did on printing when we started, you know, once that that fuck and postage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's mostly the cost of printing. Once he invaded right. Ukraine, everything more or less doubled. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how anyone can do single issues anymore. They just don't make any sense business wise now. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about the individual comics. So yeah. Lytton, um, as you described, is this is this character who appeared in you know I don't know six or seven episodes, I guess. Um, yeah. But you've kind of turned it into a almost or 
Eric, so, is it Sawwood? Is that is how you say his Say, name? Saywood. Saywood, Saywood. Yeah. yeah. He sort of turned it into a bit of a... I would describe it as a Vertigo comic series where he's got like a jazz bar in 1970s London in Soho. And it's about the you know the people who come and go from that bar. It's quite a clever little setting. Um, he, he always does something a bit different, Eric. He just right. does the difference to what you expect. Because I originally thought, well, we're just going to stick him into... I thought we were going to do something a bit kind of um, Long Good Friday with him. Right. And stick him into a sort of London crime ecosystem and have him doing daring heists and, and all the kind of, you know, brutal stuff. And he goes, no, he's, he's, he's actually running a jazz bar in um, Soho. So that was... That was a surprising <laughs> left turn, but it, it sort of works because he's doing it. He's doing it differently. Um, so yeah, it, it works. And he was quite influenced by uh, Philip Martin's Gangsters, which was quite a, oh, yeah. a very very influential seventies show. So he sort of it's a fusion of of that, and it's a uh, and it's the character, and it it's but it's also him going. This is a completely new um, genre that took him a while to get his head around it. You know, his first drafts were were, were were basically like TV scripts. And I had to say, no, no, you can have more than three sets. You can have stuff. You can have more characters. But he did then go the other way on the next draft. He, he, there was one panel, I remember, it goes, Lytton walks into the ballroom and it is full of all the most famous people you can ever imagine in the world. <laughs> I was like, oh, bollocks. That's going to be fun to draw, isn't it? So... Um, <laughs> And and then there were a couple of panels where it was like, you know, there was just like Lytton and Wilson walking down the street and there was no dialogue. And it's like, well, that's nice, but it's not advancing the plot. So, you know, so we, we Barry Renshaw, the artist, worked with Eric a lot to sort of help him with the format. And I sent him a big reading list. Um, okay. So, so I sent him, um, I sent him Watchmen. I sent him, you know, Dark Knight. I sent him, I sent him all those big 80s comics because yeah. I thought that's, about the era of the character and those are all revolutionary and he enjoyed them all the one he enjoyed the most was v for vendetta actually he oh, really nice. he really enjoyed that yeah. and i think there's a a good bit of the dna in right, in cool. Lytton. um the other one so there's a couple of that i was going to speak to you about but to, but to grab ian back into the conversation ian you're the writer on omega and sutek aren't you uh, um, well no not not omega but um on demons of eden which is the backup strip in Omega. Right. Okay. So how did you get involved, dude? Well, like Gareth was saying, um, from the La Sagari, which was which re- genuinely was like a scene. Um, like, especially when we look back, it was like, you know, Warhol's factory, but in Manchester with geeks. Um <laughs> so the fact that Gareth didn't mention that his pub lets you know if you're a geek, lets you know you're in good company because it, it the snug was called the skin snug after Des. And the room he was talking about upstairs was just full of Adrian Salmon artwork and was called the Salmon Room. So you'd have people... In Listings Magazine, it would be... People's plays would be on at the Salmon Room. Most people not having a clue who Salmon was. But that just became one of those things. But We we did a panel with Adrian Salmon, Vince. Do you remember the... amazing. uh, The Strontium Dog one we did? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was... He was on that. Yeah. That's that's an old deep cut. Legendary panel. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh, I love, uh, yeah, I love Adrian, but yeah, but, but, but anyway, knowing sort of just becoming friends with Gareth through through sort of theatre and and Doctor Who and other other related sci-fi type stuff, um, and then you know then we did Halo Jones, which was just uh, was kind of mad, but did worked. Um, did more got, ever got come really up good to reviews or anything? Did 
But how did Alan Moore react to it? Because I know he's 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 uh, can be a bit spiky about adaptions of his. Well, we, work, we, I mean, I, I I've known I'm from Northampton, so I've known Alan. Oh, okay. Years, but that actually didn't factor at all because Gareth phoned him up and so we don't you know asked his permit asked for his blessing, and I think Gareth would say, you know, Alan was just very much well. You don't need my permission, but it's nice to be asked, ah, kind cool. of thing. Yeah. So so we kind of weirdly yeah had a uh, which I was kind of pleased about because I didn't want to. I've, yeah, I've well, known well, him on well, and off for years and interviewed him. Yeah. I wouldn't want to suddenly uh, piss him off. Yeah, well, Leah, <laughs> Leah came to see it, didn't she? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Leah, Leah came to see it, and and she was quite nice about it. And um, hmm. and we have filmed it. You know, I mean, God, I mean, we've got we we did two different versions of Halo Jones hmm. with, with more or less slightly different casts and the script changer. And we did film them both, and the, the footage is all sat on um dan thackeray the director it's all sat on his hard drive somewhere one day we always say he says he just needs to edit it all together and it would be amazing to i'd, I'd love to see that again and it'd be yeah. nice to have the record because it was a it was a yeah. really clever special you know interesting staging and we were it was an easier time in comics you know i, I literally I literally bumped into someone, I think, at the SFX weekend, and we had a chat, and then I followed it up with an email, and they said, we've had a chat, and we like the sound of this, so, yeah, go ahead and do it. That would be great, you know. Yeah. That, it was as easy as that, you know. I, I actually wrote lots of – I actually, you know, it wasn't just uh, doing the stuff in the comic on the stage. I actually properly adapted it um, and built stuff into it. Um, and then it, all, it very nearly became an audio drama as well, and then uh, for various reasons, the people I was working with, it didn't quite happen. And then right. and then Puffin brought out their... Uh, and now it is an audio one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's an audio book. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, an audio it's drama, but I don't think... Performance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I've not heard it, but I don't think... I don't think they've put anything new in it. It's not like an adaptation. I don't it's, think so, yeah. It's like what you would read if you read it in the comic. Um, but yeah, I couldn't bring myself to listen to it. Cause <laughs> but there's a lot of... Five years of development and it never quite got over okay, the line. Yeah. But so back annoying. to cutaway. Back to cutaway. There's yeah. a lot of adaptions of like deep cuts, aren't there? I mean, Orsini. I had to remind myself who that was. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, that that's again. I mean, they're 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 kind of good characters and they're they're well crafted, but they are only crafted. You're right for one outing on telly, and yeah. that's it. But this was a good character, and it was, and Orsini came about as a stretch goal because because we'd done so well on it and I didn't know what I was doing with the kicks, the first Kickstarter. I really thought, Oh, we well, just put it up. And it was like, and someone went, you know, people going, Oh, you got to come out with stretch goals now. I was like, Oh Christ, really? Yeah. yeah, you need <laughs> I was like, Oh, right, okay. So I got back to Eric. I said, well, it's gone well. Uh, we need a stretch goal. Can you do an Orsini comic? And he went, well, you know, I'll have a think about it. And he come back. I said, well, I need to know because I've got to put it in. And he came back and said, yeah, I can do one. And then I went to Adrian Sam and I said, I'd like to draw it and colour it. Can you do it? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I like the character. Um, and, and it was as simple as that, you know, in a way, in a way it went. It was, it was, that was the opposite of having, you know, 10 years of development. This literally had, you know, about six hours of development went into Good. it and then up it popped and it, and it happened. And then another one was um, Eldred must live which is from is a sort of continuation of hand of fear but in that in that one you've got um bob baker the the tv writer i think he's a bafta winner is he i think um bafta, bafta and oscar 
Oh yeah, wow! No. Okay, yeah, for yeah. Uh, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, uh, Batman eyes, Stephen Scott. So it's it's a yeah, nice yeah. little combo of comics and TV that you got in it. Yes, again, Steve. yeah, again that came. You know, just to say quickly for that, because I know Ian's did a lot of work on that. Uh, but yeah, we we were so lucky with that because again, that was another bloody stretch goal, and I thought <laughs> that was going to do it, and, and then we sailed through that. It's like, oh Christ, now we've got to do another one. That's why we did the Omega. <laughs> audio adaptation with brian blessed but yeah it was again it was nice to give bob a you know a crack at the comics medium because it was the only medium he'd never he'd never conquered right. he'd never he'd never worked in it and and he had he had a ball with that you know nuclear looks power lovely state. man as well looks great the yeah, some of the some of the um fate they he um scott's caught the faces of the people as well as well yeah you know you recognize him he's absolutely yeah. great at he's really good at drawing uh like making people look like like they did they did yeah. in real life it's brilliant but but i'm working with steve on um on a sequel to the sequel to the hand of fear which is also using drax the character that bob also invented um right. and and that's that's um I mean, steve's just drawing it at the moment so that's kind of part of our gods and monsters but bob bob it's, it's i mean bob very sadly died um a couple of years ago wasn't it um right just just uh, out of the blue, but he was—it was—he was never going to like—he was never going like, to write the, the sequel anyway, because I'd already been working with him, getting his blessing, because he also wrote Nightmare of Eden, which my Demons of Eden, is a, is a sort of sequel to, yeah, um, and he—he was just been—he's just been really—he was just really, you know, he didn't just sort of go just take the money and go yes do whatever. He was really, you know, he was he was, he was in his eighties. Gareth or getting yeah, on there. Early eighties, yeah, yeah. But he early was 80s, totally but he was but he was properly yeah. giving you pro giving me proper notes, proper things, saying, No, actually no, you can't do that because I'm writing a story that's got something like that in it. And and so all, all the stuff we've done with him, and then obviously we were going to use his character Drax, and that's what I've written, and I'm doing that with Steve, and Drax is sort of involved with the aftermath of the Eldrad, because the Eld people who read the Eldrad must live that Bob wrote, Bob wrote. It's deliberately sort of ending on a ending on a cliffhanger, which the the intention was always that I'd pick that up and run with it, and that's what we're doing as part of, and, it, and feeding into the whole big gods and monsters saga. So this yeah, is a but, big old this is a big old murder board you've got going, guys. You know, uh, we've got we've basically it's we've, we've become our own little uh, we've become our own little MCU, haven't we, Gareth? That's we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was kind of the the pitch for this one, which was you know we'll do all these these one shots. And we'll set the story up, and then we'll finish it off in a big story. And yeah, I mean, God, these things take a lot of planning and a lot of work. But yeah, Ian's doing great work. Steve, we're so lucky to have Steve because Steve, you know, he's 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 a he's a big hitter, but he loves his Doctor Who. That's right. that. That's the Doctor Who is part of his foundation mm -hmm. stone, part of his, you know, origin myth because he watched them as a kid growing up on on pbs telly and you know just right. for him to be working on some of these characters in, that he loved as a kid in in you know watching in biloxi, in biloxi mississippi <laughs> right yeah. where he's from yeah one yeah. of the other big one of the other big hits is um and i recently read his sort of re-adaption of warrior's gate is stephen gallagher who you've got back in to write those characters and to me warrior's gate is one of those sort of stories that gets reappreciated regularly it's sort of seen as one of the best ones now isn't it yeah, he's 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 brilliant, Steve. And again, Steve, Steve is a huge comics fan. You know, oh, he's, massive. Cool. I mean, he's absolutely vast. You know, he he. And again, he said, "I've worked." You know, Steve has been a showrunner in the states 
you know, he, he's written, he's been a big showrunner over here. He, he, he's done everything apart from right. write a bloody comic. And so for him, you know, because so I said to him, I said, do you think there's 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 more stories to tell in Warrior's Gate? And I asked him about five years and he said, no, I don't think so. So I let it percolate. And then he did a few other things for BBC Audio Evolved. And, and I said, look, you know, second knockings, do you think there's something in it? And he went, yeah, actually, I think there is. And I think... I know what I want to do now for a comic. And he said, and I want to do it with Martin Garrity because nice. I love what, I love what he's been doing. So he picked Martin and him and Martin just kind of, so we, we did some broad brush stuff. And then I, I basically left Stephen Martin to it for 12, 18 months and just said, you know, just send me the finished pictures because, you know, I, I like to give, if you've got really top people, you know, you just kind of want to set, you just want to be there in the early conversation, talk the ideas through, make sure that it's something that I think I can sell and that yeah. people will like. And then I leave them to it. it. It's I'm not one of these people who has to be involved in every stage or the thing is fucked. I think it's <laughs> much better to let people go. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, so I've got people like Ian, you know, he, he, you know what you're doing, Ian. Well, I think you do. I hope you do. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you are, you are Gareth's basically very good. A A at A at keeping what Gareth calls the flying monkeys away, which is navigating IP without ever getting a cease and desist letter. Right, um, okay. Keeping yeah. the flying monkeys away. So everything's above board and, and, and also and finding people and talking to the IP and, and coming up with coming up with a really good like with Demons of Eden, that's that's my work, but the the impetus for it was Gareth going, I've got this IP from Bob. We can use it. Jungle Planet. Um, and then his sort of main idea was, well, we'll have some sort of, you know, like like Donald Trump Jr. hunting, you know, billionaire hunters on Eden hunting. And then and that developed. And then I added the I added the uh, the space nuns and uh, and everything <laughs> else that came of it. But it all yeah. came from some Gareth's. <laughs> Gareth's, yeah, Gareth's I, I sort of tell. first, first sort of yeah. just really good, really good at giving us a springboard for ideas. Yeah, it's just a kind of I just, just sketch it wildly. I remember the um, that horrible, horrible, horrible fucking American dentist that just shot Cecil the Lion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, that's right. And the yeah. world had gone, you know, rightly bananas about it. I remember thinking, wouldn't it be great to get half a dozen complete shitbags um, on a on a safari and maroon them out there? And um, and have something even more horrible that that's picking them off. Um, so that was it. But the space nuns, that was all in, and it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> and that that was that was that was that was kind of. There's a lot of Halo Jones as well in that in that, yeah. that DNA, which I quite liked. I really enjoyed that. But for those yeah, who haven't seen it, there's a lot of Doctor Who Weekly in the DNA of that because it was formatted as if it was a Doctor Who Weekly comic, wasn't it? In a sort of similar format, you even had some of the sort of retrospective episode reviews and stuff going on and you had transfers on the cover more right saying yeah right? well that, that's that was a dead skin reprint but it originally right, okay. appeared but weirdly it originally appeared as a backup strip it was this is all inspired by the backup strips that we used to love yeah you know like gareth mentioned um uh alan moore's sort of black legacy and all that sort of that doctorless universe you know the doctor who universe but the doctor's not in it yeah which is a dangerous place and this and Demons of Eden was the first backup strip of, of this of, in this thing inspired oh, by okay. a backup strip. So then 
Gareth had the brilliant idea of uh, getting Des to edit it in the style of 1979. Um, right. And that's what, the, that's what the, and then making it black and white. And that's what the black and white uh, sort oh, of. Oh, that's the version I've read. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, but yeah. That's, it's just such a, yeah. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe the legendary Des skin is now editing <laughs> my uh, stuff and making yeah. it, changing the pictures and making it black and white and, yeah. and altering it to fit the fit the sizes, you know, fit the format and everything. And you guys really should, if you haven't had Des on already, you know, he's just... Yeah, we had him uh, on a couple of years yeah. ago. He was okay. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, he tested us. He did little tests on us about... He would throw oh. questions out just to make sure we were with the right people, which made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Des is like the kind of he's our critical friend. He's like he's like you sort of you know he's like your uncle at Christmas. You know he'll uh, you know <laughs> yeah, he, he is. He, yeah. he'll do all the kind of pull me finger jokes. But you know when when you know if you're having a hard time in school or something's not right, he'll also you know he, he'll also help you kind of plot it out. He's, yeah, uh, I went round his house once. And I think we drank more than the Queen Mother for the afternoon that day. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing, the other thing I want to ask you about, guys. Now, this is a sort of complicated. You've, you've alluded to it a little bit. Is the licensing stuff? So you're using side characters that are licensed to other people or are not licensed. Is that how it works? Well, how, how it works is certainly in old Doctor Who. So the original run, nineteen sixty three to nineteen sixty nine, and we can thank um, the great Beryl Virtue, Terry Nation's agent at the time. Right. Is, if you so the BBC owns what they create or their on staff people create, they own. So they own the TARDIS, they own the Doctor. Um, if they create a companion, they own a companion. If they don't own the companion, which has happened occasionally with Leela, they they buy it quite quickly after. So that's all theirs. But the world that the Doctor lands in, that's created by the writer. And it's owned okay. by the writer. So the writer owns it and the writer's estate owns it. So in theory, they can license those characters or those worlds or those situations out. And sometimes, you know, it's not a character. Sometimes it's a world. The setting is a world. So Paradise Towers yeah. is only got one or two characters and they're kind of quite small. This is 25 years later. The setting is really the thing that we've licensed and it's a brand new you know, it's a brand new generation of girl gangs and kids. And and so that's different. So that's kind of where it's at. So, so yeah, it is quite generous. And this is all down to the wonderful Beryl, Beryl Virtue doing the contract for Terry Nation and striking out the clause where it said the BBC will own everything in the script. And it's as right. simple as that. Oh, cool. That is good. So is there anything that you, you're, like, gagging to do? That oh, you're still God. waiting on. What what would be God. your first? You know the 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 two you'd go for if you could. Um, we, we're we're gagging for things that we know we can't do. But if we're if yeah. we're talking about things that we know the BBC don't own, then I guess that's what that's probably otherwise. I mean, I'm I'm story. guessing units out of the question, Gallifrey's out of the question, all this uh, sort of thing. Well, yeah. well, yeah. You see, now it's a good example. So Gallifrey is out of the question because the BBC definitely owned that. Unit, yeah. in theory, is owned by um, the estate of a writer. So that's one that, yeah, that that would be potentially of interest. But there is a uh, a book company called Candy Jar who published lots and lots and lots of Brigadier books and unit books. Oh, I think I've got so, one of them. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess we would we would have to fit in with what they're doing as well, which I don't think would be fun for either of us. So that's probably one that 
we wouldn't have. But it's a good example. Um, but yeah, yeah there's, I mean, so I I always say that Andrew Cartmel's era, which that's the seventh Doctor, there is not a single story in there, uh, and I include the Time of the Rani in this that couldn't make for a great comic. All of them, and yeah, I know, I know he's chuckling about Time of the Rani, and he's right, he should. <laughs> However, I could imagine a comic doing something totally different with the Tetraps, which are these kind of bat, big bat creatures. I could imagine um, an enormous cavern full of all them hanging from the ceiling. I could imagine them hunting. I could imagine, you know, I could imagine them guarding. I could imagine factions. I could imagine families. So even that, that one thing is still great. The rest of it, no, it's yeah. terrible. Well, I, I think there's a reason the Cartmel era, specific, you know, especially makes you think comics because it's a sort of feedback loop because Andrew Cartmel, one of the first things he did to all the writers that he was sort of hiring was give them Halo Jones, give them V for Vendetta, give them Watchmen. Oh, wow. So, so that's why Paradise Towers, our Paradise Towers is sort of feels like Halo Jones because Halo Jones was there when it became a TV yeah. show. So, okay. wow. so I think, okay. I think that's why that era of Doctor Who, well, yeah, that's right. you know, your I comics mean... and you look at it, you go, this is, this is very much people have read 2000 AD. And then then that that makes that and that there's just something about that energy that translates into into like making comic strips set in that era. What about you, Ian? Is there anywhere that you would like desperately want to grab a character from and write about? I I'm I'm I'd love to get Frobisher. Um that's a that's a Gareth job getting getting these people. But but Frobisher's own well, I don't know. How much can we talk about who owns uh, what? Well, I, mean, look, I suppose we can't but... talk about specifics, but what I can no. say is we did come very close to getting Frobisher, and I don't mind right. saying this, uh, yeah, yeah. probably about 18 months ago, two years ago maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, because so I wanted to we, check you were, you were okay. Yeah, so. we can say that. So we, 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 we were working <laughs> with, um, we were working with um, John Ridgway, just finished on Omega, and he said, you know, I'd really love to do, I'd really love to do some more Frobisher. I love that character. Um, do you think that we could get Steve to write it? And I thought, well, Christ, you don't, you know, I, I like a challenge, fair enough. <laughs> so we spoke to Steve Parkhouse before. I didn't know how he felt about the character. I didn't know how he felt yeah. about anything. Um, he'd always been quite good at talking about Doctor Who to Fort Warp. So I got in touch and I said, John wants to do, you know, a Frobisher comic. I can see a prestige one shot. What do you think? And actually he came back and said, do you know what? Because it's John, and I quite like that era of Doctor Who. I will do you that, you know. And and he went quite far down the line, and he wrote us um, a nice release letter to say, "I am very happy to you to license, but for one reason or another, and there are complications on this now with 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 how Panini's IP is owned and and right. all these things that, that it just we couldn't get it over the line, and it was a real shame." Um, but you know, never say never, never say yeah. never, nothing is forever. And I think, yeah, you're right, Ian, you know, Frobisher would be brilliant. I don't think the only thing they kind of got wrong with Frobisher, um, in a way is, is they stuck him as a penguin for maybe a bit too long. Um, but then okay. I suppose if he wasn't a penguin, we wouldn't remember. I like him, him. I like him being a penguin and much, much as I love, <laughs> much as I love, much as I love big finish. Um, I think one thing. You know, and, and and the scripts for the Frobisher episodes are good. But the fact is, 
Frobisher isn't just a voice. Frobisher is very much. He's, he's a comic character, comic isn't he? Of everything. Yeah, of everything. He's not a TV character. He's not an audio character. That's a he's character. He's a talking comics, penguin, and, and yeah. that doesn't quite come across on audio. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's true. That's true. Um, and it's funny. I remember asking John Ridgeway, I said, what do you think his voice is? You know, do you think he's an American? He went, no. No, it's from Man. <laughs> no, it's from Manchester. Yeah, I've never seen him as a... I mean, jo- John's just... I mean, we're talking about these... We're talking about all these artists as well. That's one of, being, one of the great things is getting to work with people who's, you know, I mean, John, John, John's a case in point. When I went to, I did, I did a big interview with John for one of the extras for the, uh, for the discs free with the magazines. And, and it was just, this is a man whose work I've been, I've been. Hellblazer man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but for me, for me, it was, it was because 2000 AD is kind of my right. story. And and so just like summer magic and 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 I was just telling him about God that you know that dead man when when yeah. what that dead man stuff I mean I almost don't want to spoil it for people even though it's been like forty years or whatever but that reveal and dead man yeah. I was just like that's all we were talking about in the playground we weren't really talking about anything that was on TV we were talking about oh my God have you seen the have you seen who dead man's turned out to be yeah. And I can't believe looking back, we uh, can see it a mile off, can't you? But um, <laughs> yeah. but it was to us as teenagers in the playground reading 2000 AD. It was huge. Yeah, but yeah, but just, people, it, they? yeah, but yeah, but, but yeah, but and also, also, yeah, I do, I do love Hellblazer as well. But yeah. uh, m- more than John does, John really doesn't like Hellblazer. Oh, does, oh, of course, I heard that. Yeah, I think I read that. Yeah, once. yeah, no, no. I yeah. mean, he's, he's on he's on record many times as he hates horror. He's uh, he 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 doesn't like doing gore, and he doesn't. You know, which is so ironic that he ends yeah. up. He's there. I, mean, I guess it's. I guess it's paid his mortgage a few times, so you know he can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, he's uh, there on Hellblazer's sort of a uh, wiki page as a co-creator of like yeah. of one of the most iconic horror comics ever, and he yeah. hates horror comics. But uh... um, and the other one that's you've just kickstarted um, that I've backed is Inferno. So um, I'm going to say voted by DWM as the favourite John Pertwee series. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and and actually being voted the best Pertwee one for four, um, they they do these kind of big, um, you know, they they do these big sort of pole of poles. I think it goes. Yeah, back so I've just seen that. the recent one, and it's nonsense, Gareth. It goes back to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, well, I, I can't I can't talk for what finishes in the top ten. I've just talked about Inferno and Pertwee, and you know, and, yeah. and, and and that's been consistently voted number one since nineteen ninety eight. So it was. So that was, and you know, that came out as that again was, that was a last minute IP because we had gone a long way down the route. We're getting an IP, um, but we all thought it was going to happen, including the agent and, and Gary Russell had written a really good first, first issue script. It was going to be really good. And then it completely fell to pieces just at the last minute. And that does happen. You know, it does happen. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, oh, bollocks. So I thought, well, I owe Gary one. Can I pull something together instead in reasonable time? Um, and we did. And and a week later, I'd, I'd done the deal for Inferno. So, it, you know, it, it sort of sometimes something going wrong is good. You know, I mean, it, what happened with Omega was a classic. You know, originally, um, the, the original writer had written a really great, um, six-part series with Omega being broken out of the black hole by the warlords from the war games, and it was brilliant. Okay. And it was a, it was 
they break him out. And I and the pitch I said to him, I said, I remember I said, I said, just imagine Hitler being rescued by, you know, by the Red Army. He would not be very happy about it. Um and so of course Dominic <laughs> comes out the black hole and decimates the warlords, which is why there's only about a hundred of them left. And it was brilliant. It was like a huge epic clash of civilizations, really big comic stuff. I'd love to have done it. Except we couldn't get the rights to the warlords. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I went yeah. to the agent, and these are just a, really a collection of blokes in Nehru suits. There's nothing to them. I don't think anyone's queuing up to license them. And the agent, because the right is long gone, it said, no, no, sorry, no. And that was it. That was six <laughs> months of work. Gone. So it oh. does happen. It does happen. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. So obviously, Doctor Who is, I mean, there's time, the past, present, etc. But now let's look to the future. See what I did there. Very good. Uh, yeah. uh, thank you. Put so, in the sound effect now of the TARDIS. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, no, it makes that. Warp. I can't do the noise. There's like lots of different noises, isn't it? Warp, it's the new warp, season. Yeah. Warp, That's the new warp. season. Um, it's always warp, warp in the comics. Uh, there you yeah. go. Oh, well, I was, That's almost, the I, I was almost That's the name of the fancy. It's warp, warp on the subtitles now on the telly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that was it. This yeah. is the comic okay. stuff becoming. You know, feeding into the as we have with Pat this weekend. It's, it's yeah, like, comics. Yes. comics are winning. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is um? What is the next year? What's twenty twenty four looking like for your comics? Uh, well, busy, busy. You know, so we've um we've already got. I mean, the, the projects are queuing up for uh, Kickstarter slots. So the next one is either going to be Drax plus um Iris. Wild Time and Losco. So we haven't talked about that. So Iris Wild Time, brilliant, um, brilliant eccentric time traveler created by um, Paul Mars of Manchester, who we know. And Losco is another one. Losco is the character who's in the opening chapter to Warrior's Gate in the novel. He's the oh, okay. uh, he's the fighter pilot who shoots down the privateer. And that's that came out of a chat where it refers to him having paws. So on the back of that, <laughs> we've made them these. They're going to make them the great big huge sleek cool like you know warrior um sort of uh pumas not quite thundercats but uh... very thundercats. <laughs> yeah. you know, with my commercial head on you know it's like you yeah. know that, that will work so yeah so we've got that we've got uh the well the long in development happiness patrol um is coming out we've got the hinchcliffe big book that we're we're just back that, my friend. Yeah, just back that. That's storming it as well. You're doing really well with that one. It is. And we could be doing some more big format books, and there's other comics that are in development that we can't talk about because, you know, I, I learned this from Des, you know, what does he say? Because he's reorks, he says, he says, say out about now until it's out. <laughs> so, until it, that deal, those deals are signed and they're good, we can't say out about now. Good. Good. No, I'm loving it. And you, I can't wait for Inferno, man. What's the time scale on that? The other thing worth mentioning here is that you also put loads of audio files out and interview tape, you know, this sort of audio. Oh, God, you, yeah. yeah. We, go, we, we go insane. Um, with, with Yeah, so Doctor Who fans are kind of the last people who still have DVD players because <laughs> of all of the DVDs and Blu-ray sets that come out. So so we, we put out a, a, a VAM DVD with each issue which has uh, commentary tracks on, uh, you know, some of the shows that are linked to the comic, but also uh, video interviews, uh, convention stuff from years ago, um, some some dramas, some all sorts of bits and bobs. So it, we, the, the logic behind it is 
is that much as I love Diamond and Diamond are important and I totally get that people want to support their comic shop, I also want people to order direct from us. Yeah. If you order direct from us, you get the disc. If you don't order direct, if you, if you go via Diamond, you just get the comic, which is great, but you get more from us. And then for the Kickstarter, it lets us do deluxe VAM discs and add, you know, lots of interesting things on. So it's just kind of, it's value-added stuff. Real. Excellent. Nice. So where can people go to follow you guys, find out more about the comics you're doing? And basically and buy them. You. Yeah, and buy them, which we recommend you do, people. So buy them cutawaycomics.co.uk and we've got some lovely bundle deals on there mm-hmm. um, um we still are quite active on on twitter slash x um which i know is not the nicest of places but it does have a big legacy kind of doctor who group so we're still there we're doing a bit of, and we're still there as cutaway universe we do some bits on Blue Sky. We'll be doing more, and we're on Instagram a little bit as well. But you know, you cool. you can mostly you can always chat to us via um, via X if 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 you're on it. Amazing, Real. yeah. So listen, I've bought these comics. I, I got onto them quite late. Yeah. I got onto them because a mate of mine had been to Desi's house and been and bought some of the the magazine he edited from you from from him. The oh. um, and I love them, man. I think they're great. I think they're just. That sometimes I, find, I kind of think that Big Finish and guys like you feels more pure hue to me than maybe the TV series does. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but yeah, it's just pure who for me, you know. Well, we've got, we've, we've got, we haven't got executives sat over us. I mean, God, those poor buggers now have got, you know, they've got Disney executives sitting over them. Yeah. They've got, I guess uh, they've got Sony executives sat over them. They've got BBC executives maybe not sat over them but they've got them sat to the side of them and they've got and they're also doing all the merchandising deals so yeah I, i'm amazed they even make they, they're able to make decisions to the degree they do whereas <laughs> it's much flatter with us we can just you know make well, decisions and do things well it's very noticeable that the bbc output of merchandise and in that i include comics and novels and stuff like that has really dropped off and it's guys like you and big finish and a couple of other people like warp warp your magazine and stuff like that that seem to be filling the hole for that man totally you know yeah, yeah, and and I think it's all going to change when Russell comes back. I mean, I think right. there's, there's definitely change in the air. You know, I think I think there are licenses that are going to churn, and there will be licenses that are refreshed, and there'll be licenses that are rested, and there'll be whole new areas of stuff. Yeah. Because you know, let's be honest, Russell. I guess this is Russell's last big job in telly, apart from doing occasional prestige drama. So. He doesn't need the money. Let's be honest. He's come back because he he's got something in mind for Doctor Who, and and that's what he's going to do. And and it great that he launches he launches it with the Star Beast. He he takes it back to yeah. one of the greatest comics ever known by by done by the collected. You know, I mean, what you know, Pat Mills, Dave Gibbons, Des Skin. You know, what a these guys reinvented Doctor Who, basically. 43 years ago and now they're reinventing it again yeah yeah one thing to say about russell is he loves comics he absolutely loves comics right and so one thing i well one of the first things he did was was you know was give dr who magazine say yeah you can have david tennant's first adventure um so so what's run for the past however many months is the 14th Doctor as they, you know, David Tennant. Right, okay, cool. She has just, so, you know, whether it's canon or not, Doctor Who fans want to go, you know, so he's, 
he's he's one of the first things he did was was reinvigorate the 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 comic strip in Doctor Who magazine, and I'd yeah. be interested to see what's going to happen with Titan or whoever else, you know, Doctor Who magazine, Doctor Who comics elsewhere, because he 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 gets across everything. Yeah, well, um, he, yeah. He, yeah, he cares. You know, he I mean, just it, let it, stuff happen. He'll 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 want to approve or disapprove of various things. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, one thing. Yeah, I mean, one thing that stunned me when I was told this, and, I, and I've been told this is true. Uh, for the last god, nearly twenty years, after every issue of Russell uh, of Doctor Who magazine comes out, and he said Russell magazine, Doctor Who magazine comes out, he 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 sends him an email. He sends him an email and and just tells him what he thinks about everything he's read in there. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's on it. He'll yeah. say, "Love that, love that, that was great, love that, like the way it's going." And you know, you know, he's engaged. I mean, we send. He's on our comps list for cutaway. And right. I don't get an email every time, but the, every now and again he'll drop an email and say, you know, thanks for sending the comics that they, they were they were smashing. Um, so he knows what we're doing, and uh, we always send Vault Vault to him, and we get nice emails back from him. And you know, it's just nice to know that although we're kind of outside the tent, he knows what we're doing. Yeah, he's very right, supportive man. of uh, you know. He is one of us, basically. Yeah, he is. Yeah, First yeah. and foremost, that's and that, awesome. That's how you yeah. keep anything alive. Yeah, isn't it? being a yeah. Fan. well, being positive and being a fan, being positive, being nice, just be nice people. Yeah, that's all I got. To I, think, I think you've got to love it. You got to love it when you're doing it. I think one of the reasons that Fear the Walking Dead has just gone to shit is that it's clearly being made by people who just see it as another piece of TV. You know, it, when Frank Darabont left. And then people that he brought in gradually left. You can see those shows just, and then they run out of comics to adapt, and then they do the spin-offs. You can see that it's just so far from what those guys originally intended, because there's no one left who kind of has a strong, loving opinion of what that should be. And so we're kind of lucky in Doctor Who that it's not being run by some bloke who's just come from, I don't know, EastEnders or. <laughs> Mm. He's the he's the Stan Lee of Doctor Who, isn't he? Yeah, Basically, yeah. you know, he's got that over. Yeah. And over Do- yeah. Doctor Who fans are lucky that you guys are making cracking comics for the future. Yeah, I'd say he's, he's like Stan Lee, but he, uh, as we were saying before we started, but he's 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 quite good at, uh, at acknowledging creator rights and, <laughs> and <laughs> giving people giving. I mean, like like we were saying, like like Russell made sure that Dave Gibbons and Pat Mills got got paid even though he didn't need to because of the way it was you know you know um panini owned everything yeah. legally it's just yeah, they, they, they found, Pat they Mills found. or Dave Gibbons. Yeah, I think Pat's been quite careful. He can't talk about it until it comes out. I think he's got an NDA at the moment, isn't he? But he has been very open to say that he's been treated really well by them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but that's just another, just another, you know, having a bit of a. Ooh, you know, Sign up to Pat's Substack if you're not on it, because he's talking about Doctor Who every week on there. It's really good stuff. Oh, yeah. oh is he? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's and, cool. Well, he, and, he likes he likes the character. You know, he lo- he loves yeah, the he Doctor. Does. The Doctor is a great eccentric and a, a quintessential English character. And you know what what you know he you're right. I mean, the Doctor Who strips before Des and Pat and Dave turn up. In Doctor Who Weekly, they're, they're oh they're terrible. I mean, I, I know people like them, and I know they have a charm, and and we did a whole walk walk for all about them things from the sixties and the seventies. But and I know people love them, and I guess if 
if you're 10 years older than me, they are your precious things, but they're not <laughs> for me. They're not for me. But, I, you know, it, it's all precious to someone, even that, you know? So. And you guys are precious to us. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. And uh, yeah, of thanks, course, guys. follow these guys because. I mean, as me and Dan have just witnessed, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. 2024 it's, is going to be bigger than anything. It's, uh, it's, it's, there you go. It's, you it's, heard it's, it here first. So <laughs> um, we'll talk to Ian at the end of next year and just be like, all right, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> that all like, oh my God, it was, wasn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's hoping. That's the problem, it's just, Ian. It's just, it's just snowboarded since since yeah. 2020. It's every, every passing month and it's, you know, it's yeah. just getting crazy. Well, that's what we, uh, yeah, crazy in a good baby. way is what we want for comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, long as, as long as China doesn't invade Taiwan between now and the end of 2024, uh, you know, let us let us hope that that nothing weird happens at Burger <laughs> Yeah, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. Here's to the future. There's, there's another time travel thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. And welcome back. It was a whole was right, do- Doctor yeah. Who knowledge for you. Just in time for the anniversary. Indeed. It's almost like we timed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Cunning. <laughs> speaking of timing, it's that time for the shout-outs. Do we have any shout-outs, gents? I do. I've got a few. So, Carsis 1, uh, Mystery and Horror in a Snowy Alaskan Town. This looks fucking great. I've got yes. to tell you. Written by Brian Hawkins. I backed it. Written by Brian Hawkins. Art by uh, the always brilliant and our buddy Nathan Kelly. Get on it. Carsis. K-A-R-C-I-S. It's on Kickstarter. I'm glad um, you electric- this. This was on my list to shout out. Well, actually, oh, shout it out, was yeah. my list yeah. to shout out, so I'm glad you can. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I love Nathan's work. I think I'm, he's a great artist. I just, yeah, a yeah. huge fan of Nathan's work. The use of shadow and stuff he uses yeah. is brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Um, another great artist is Adam Falp. Uh, electric Chair 1 and 2. Uh, it's smashed its goal now, but you need to get on this. The we don't see it in the UK as much, but the word of mouth around Adam's work is massive in the States. Nice. He's getting yeah. he's getting emails from people who are like proper small press, proper underground comics legends, put it that way. So get on it. Go to Electric Chair 1 and 2. I did a little scan of Zoop. Um, there's some books that I've backed on there. Binary C. Have a look at that. It's sort of seafaring horror. It's really good. Obviously, Dracula, The Return. If you go back a few episodes, you'll see us, hear us talking about yeah. that. Yeah. Fargo, which is a Howard Chaikin Western, 96 pages. I'll back that. That looks fucking incredible. And Bomb Scares, which is a time bomb anthology, which is also on Zoop. So go and have a look for those ones. Big shout out to Xavier at um, Crower Funding in Lille, France, who um, hosted my friend uh, Nora. Big shout out to Nora the Ninja. Um, and they sent me some pictures of the comic she bought yesterday as well. That's a cracking shop. If you are in France, anywhere near Lille, go in, tell Xavier you, we sent you. He'll probably make you a coffee and talk your head off. He's the nicest and funniest guy He's in the world. He's a dude, yeah. Yeah, proper to good dude. Yeah. I was speaking to him at TB the other, the other year. Oh, of course we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm um, seeing him at, at um, Angoulême in January, so I'm looking forward ah, to that. fantastic. Yeah, cool. I've got nice. Comic Scene, Volume 3, cool. Issue 0, Yearbook, 2024. Uh, you can get this. It's a magazine for comic fans and those involved with the comic industry, from publishers to creators to retail to comic columns to event organisers academics and comics media based in the uk the magazine is for those who love or are involved in comics uh the world over uh it's published three times a year 100 pages for a tenner so you can go and get that you can get either print or digital that is if you go to the shift.store it will be on there uh give a shout out to uh slacktivist <laughs> slack member sam hardacre oh, I, like, the... I like that slacktivist <laughs> i like that yeah ha- handmade sketchbooks i bought one of these lovely yeah Six by twelve inches. 
and they look absolutely fantastic. It'd make a fantastic gift for. Yeah, sorry, I should have shouted out Sam. He sent me a lovely um, Atomic Hercules commission as well. Was part. You know of what, it. Tony? You're doing it now. There you go, babes. Uh, so there we go. If you got anything you want us to give a shout out to, do join our Slack. Uh, we've got another couple of new members today. Just added one in the last ten minutes. There you, there you go. go. What a well-oiled yeah. machine we are, aren't we? Just, yeah. just, just like table tennis, isn't it? Just sort of <laughs> backwards and forwards. Love it, love it. You know Sometimes what? Sometimes it, yeah, go, gets into gear, doesn't it? We do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what else I love? Boobs, Ron, and comics. Nice yeah. boobs and comics. Let's do a spin-off podcast. Boobs and comics. Just ten minutes <laughs> yeah. every week. B and C <laughs> instead of T and A. Um, <laughs> but yes. We're going to recommend some comics, and we've got a, we've got a little list for you this this week. Mm. We've got loads to recommend. What's happened? I, can I, I do know. one more final shout out? For, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, Dan. Dan. I, I, I stepped, so, stepped uh, all over so you. Not so well oiled. <laughs> no, no, no. I remember. I dredged this up. Tom <laughs> Curry reminded us that it's Alan Moore's seventieth oh, birthday. Happy so, birthday, Mister Moore. Happy birthday. I know he's a big listener of the show. He's a I, huge listener. Listen, I know he's done a lot in his life in comics. You know, he's done quite a bit. But what he has missed out of is coming on the show after we invited him that time. And he went, yeah. I'm not really into that anymore, which yeah. I, you know, will honour. But Fair the way. door's still open, Alan. Yeah. And happy birthday, nevertheless. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll um, we'll buy you some snacks. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll comb uh, your beard. Have a few jars. Oh, my word. There, there's an offer. <laughs> Speaking of things that are unmissable, let's talk about some comics. Tony, mm. do you want to go first? Oh okay, no! So, no, should we? Start no, you go the... first. No, I tell you what. Big one. Let's oh, yeah. all go first. I'd like to point out this week that I got very excited. Dan's the most excited. I'm going to say out of all of us to read yeah. this. And um, Wednesday, Wednesday, I drove to <laughs> Cardiff and I said, "Right, I've just I've just landed at Cardiff. I'm ready to enter the game." And Dan went, "What are you talking about, you twat?" And I went, <laughs> and then like two minutes later, he went, "Oh fucking hell! Oh fucking hell!" <laughs> <laughs> big game was, number five yeah. the finale I was down the gym working on the big guns so I had to wait till yeah. I got home working on your glutes <laughs> god <laughs> baby got back baby got back um, <laughs> but yes we um, we read the finale of big game no major spoilers here I think but it yeah. was an it was an oversized issue. It was I think it was five quid, wasn't it? I think was it? there's more art on a page of this than there is yeah. in fucking whole months worth of yeah. DC well, comics. I was pointing out that that Punisher comic that we discussed the week before uh, was more expensive than that, which mm. is just fucking That's unreal. Mad. Yeah, yeah, not by uh, much, but it was more expensive yeah. than that. If, you t- yeah. if you're talking art compared to effort, <laughs> fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, now. Um, Immediately, we all because the thing is, we don't even want to spoil it for each other. So the the messages are going backwards and forwards in the WhatsApp. Right, read it. Have you read it? Not yet. Okay, you yeah. know, and there's there's a lot of that. And then what you we didn't even when we read it, it was just sort of like, yeah, thumbs up emoji. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even want to spoil it. We wanted to save it till we spoke to each other to say yeah. what we said. We thought, didn't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and anyone that's been listening to this show since we've had the ongoing chat, I think every issue we've sort of touched on it. Um, it is just a very good series, and yeah. for for me, it gave me everything I wanted in the ending. You, anyone that's listened to this frequently will know that I had some big reservations, and if it went one way, one way, I was going to be very unhappy. Yeah, um, that way didn't happen, um, and it was it delivered on big epic. I mean, Pepe Larraz is fucking one of the yeah, best man. artists. One of the, the one of the pages in this, like yeah. fucking hell. Imagine getting that. Amount of work, yeah. yeah. 
Um, head and shoulders above. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All different. You know where, you, and you never lose where you are on the page. Yeah. Really, for me, um, and that's impressive. Um, head I'm and shoulders really... above fucking ninety percent of like what's happening yeah. in a lot of bigger comics. This yeah. needs I, to be a oversized hardback. I, I really would love that because I really want to see yeah. this artwork yeah. like, in the flesh, as it were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so those are my those are my initial true. thoughts. What about you, you guys? This reminds I, I, me. Now, as I said, this reminds me of like the the big event comic, big events used to get in Absolutely. Marvel and DC. Absolutely. Yeah, the like, good ones. It, and the world changes, and then the stories carry on from there. Uh, it really brought me back to that time. So, like all these characters, even though they're kind of not fully explored in that comic, but you know them from their own title, so you don't need like pages and pages of each one yeah. on their own. Uh, yeah, like the Avengers, like, like a good event comic. You know, yeah, exactly, same, exactly, yeah. yeah. I think the thing is, we conspiratorialized about it quite a lot, didn't we? We had mm. all these theories, and a couple of them we were right about. Mm. I mean, a couple of them was were slightly more obvious than others. Yeah. Um. But there's an ha- there's a happy ending for someone that that warmed my cockles. I tell you now. Yeah. yeah. It was yes. lovely to see. I really like that. Yeah. Um. And then there's also some open ended stuff that I'm like, yeah, boy, I want that yeah. character to come back. It, it was like, a bit like that. Yeah, it was very much a success. I, I mean, Dan, you, you put it brilliantly, like you know those like the big event comics, like they used to be kind of things. Mm. As in, you get you get a resolution, you get you get the big, you know, the, the money's all there on the page, and and it finishes. If you don't touch anything else in this Millerverse universe, that's fair enough. But they they've left some threads. That will I can see will filter into those individual series as they go forward, as they yeah. move forward. There's little hints to things will go on, and diff- different heroes and villains are put into different scenarios so that their next series will be quite fresh and quite interesting. Mm. Um, what I think one of the things that impressed me the most um, was how it all they, it just worked. It felt natural. Do you know what I mean? If you see like the slate of Millerverse books leading up to this, they looked so different. They looked there was it was it felt like here's a creator just doing what they want, all in these different directions. It's the know. it's the way he picks and caters each story to a different artist, I think yeah. sometimes, yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's like here's the secret agent story, here's the magic story, here's the here's the Superman story, you know, all of these sort of things. And then when you, when I thought there's gonna be a crossover of all of them, how is that going to work? And I think the yeah. the success is I never questioned it from page one. It just, never. I think yeah. it just yeah. worked. I mean, listen, we enjoyed different comics for different reasons, yeah, don't we? Totally, and, yeah. and we enjoyed this as an event comic. It was very yeah. much built up beforehand to us. Yeah. You know, we felt it all the way through Nemesis, all the way through Ambassadors. You know, this isn't just the five issues. This, yeah. for me, started at the start of Nemesis Reloaded. Yeah. For me, especially the Ambassadors. That that's, that's is yeah, an definitely. integral part of this yeah. story for me. But, but, but we enjoy, but we enjoy I didn't read the Ambassadors. That's the thing is I knew, oh, mate, you will I, enjoy I them. them. Yeah, that's that's almost like a prequel to this yeah. in a way, I yeah. feel. Yeah. Um but the thing is I enjoy different, you know, comics for different reasons and often I do like the personal, you know, and often I do like the grand spectacle. And mm. I think this was mostly grand spectacle but yeah. had moments where he clearly likes some of these characters and he goes back and you get that taste of them again. And that's what mm. I liked about it. It was a good yeah. joining of the two. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it made me also want to read the magic order. I'm looking that's great, to... man. I love yeah. the magic yeah, order. Love that. Some of the art in that. Fuck. Great. Yeah. And, really and I'm just like, by seeing a little bit of these characters in there, I immediately like 
became a big fan of them. I was like, mm. they're just really cool characters. That's what those crossovers used to be about, though, wasn't yeah. it? Look, you get exposed to characters that you wouldn't yeah. ideally yeah. pick up. Yeah. Oh, actually, I quite like that. Because like, there's some really series keep... in the middle of us that I'm not going to read. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm just not, you know, it's not for me. And I think what that's one of the things about the Millerverse that I do appreciate. There's different flavours for different tastes, isn't there, really? I yeah. know there's a lot of listeners out there who aren't really fans of Miller's work. Um, and certainly we've spoken about it a lot, but and I totally understand. Well, we all like different creators' work mm. for different reasons. Yeah. I know he's... You're uh, wrong, but do you know what I mean? There are people. Yeah, but, but I think he's, he, he's also... <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah, but he's all, there's always been, I, th- I think sometimes after probably around the original Nemesis time, um, a divisive writer. There's a use of shock writing, isn't there? Yeah. 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 A little bit more. He still I'm uses it now, but he uses it yeah. in And he sort of yeah, came back. And, from that. Yeah, and, and it, f- for me, I I sort of hooked back in. I put the the drip back into my arm um, when I read, like, Chrononauts, for instance, because that yeah. was just a fucking good time. I, you know, I thought it was a good... I didn't need to read everything else, and I was like, no. oh, right. And, of course, then I read Huck. I fucking love Huck, you know. So sequel coming in there. Yeah, and uh, one panel of this book, I will say, just brought a big smile to my face. There's, there's, <laughs> there's literally two bits in this book. I was like fucking yeah. filled up over, man. I loved two, it. Two words: yeah. polar bear. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, it totally did what it's out to do. Totally, you know. There's some people would be like, who who may detract it detract from it because it they may say oh it was it was this instead of this but it's a, for me it's a success because it's the first title and cro- like big comics crossover in a way um that's got me really emotionally invested and emotionally hmm. invested in characters that i have no emotional investment yeah. in does that make sense i've yeah i, I got yeah. no skin in the game and yet leading up to this i was like what the hell is going to happen when it first starts off and they're all getting picked off i was like oh my fucking life this yeah. Is- yeah 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 um, he did he did what he promised when we spoke to him dan didn't he? you start small than you end yeah that's yeah. Nervous. yeah and that that's was a piece some. of golden advice there yeah yeah, yeah. Just- yeah. Yeah, and uh, how would you ever top that finale is beyond yeah, me. Yeah, there is a sense of you know, there's a new status quo that's been set up in yep. a nice way. Not in, yeah. So yeah, for me, uh, two thumbs up, five star fresh. Um, I really really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, if you, if that's you how you read, do comics. Yeah, exactly. That's how you do event comics as well. Every new comic book day that came out, we we're excited. There's a th- mm. four, three or four books at the moment that we're like that with, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, between us. Yeah, and we've talked a bit about like like big two books and superior books and a lot of stuff. And a lot of the times, those sort of titles aren't really doing it for me at the moment. This nope. this was a an a sent also because like the likes of Invincible and stuff like that are no longer around. Yeah, this was what gave me my fix of great big budget superhero content mm. in a comic and it's yeah it was like i, I really I, yeah five stars for me the series but like i say i'm looking forward to seeing what what it's like in the collection yeah in one yeah. thing hopefully so, mr uh, mr dutcher will give me that for uh Christmas <laughs> the oh dear um right but right who wants to kick off first you go first you got two in you okay yeah i got two yeah um, my first one is was another expensive book, really. Uh, a title that came out um, fairly recently, well, last week actually, from Image. This is The Deviant, which um, we did speak about. Not about me. No, <laughs> could be though. Yep. 
No, of course it isn't. Tony's lovely. Um, that's a lot a of beard now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. well, so <laughs> so is a character in this book. Oh, this, right. <laughs> this is, of course, this is The Deviant, A Christmas Story, issue one. Oh, I love Christmas. Um, and it is very Christmassy, this book. Written by James Tinian, the fourth. Art by Joshua Hickson, if you know that name. I think it's... James Tinian the third ever wrote anything. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? There we go. That totally fucking threw me. I looked, I had to reread his name and just thought, well, I said that wrong. Um, lettering by Hassan Osmani El Hau. Uh, edited by Steve Fox. Designed by Tyler Boss. It immediately kicks off December 2023 in a, in a Christmas store. And it's the reds, the greens. It's Tony, it's very Christmassy, this. Oh, nice. Yeah. But it's not one of those, ho, 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 isn't this jolly Christmas? Because as snow falls over Milwaukee in 1972, a bloodstained Santa Claus commits unimaginable atrocities against young men. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, 50, 50 years later, a troubled young writer interviews this so-called deviant killer who still maintains his innocence from behind bars. And as Christmas approaches once again, the past returns, wielding a sharpened axe. Um, this is... I, th- I think we on the show, did we we talk about the cover, didn't we? Um, in one of our cover discussions. No, yeah, it's okay. that, that snowy path that splits off into two. And there's like a, a twisted-looking oh, Santa yeah, Claus yeah, yeah. figure. I remember that there. now. Um, this from a distance, that one where he's off in the distance. Yeah, from right? a distance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this sitting with you and singing this week. I know. I, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, this um, was an extra long issue, which is why I paid the uh, a little bit more for it. Uh, the, all the talk of overpriced um, digital comics and stuff. This could fit into that category. Um. I will say this was a very good issue. I enjoyed it. Um, I love Hickson's work anyway. Um, I believe Hickson worked on the plot. Remember okay. um, uh, yeah. the Vault Vault Comics, the plot. So he's an absolute master of like sort of real life and, and dread. There's a real sense of dread, even even amongst all this sort of the the Christmas shopping and all that. There, there's he'll switch it. The the sort of camera angles, for want of a better term, will. Will switch to like just expanses of snow laden ground in Milwaukee with with sort of nothing there, but there's a lot of snow falling. It's very eerie. There's a the killer in it, the deviant killer. Is this weird? Um, I'm not sure if this is supernatural or not. It's one of the things okay. I like about one of the things I like about the book because the the killer himself, which you don't see too much of, you just see this. It's a sort of a a lanky figure with a with a strange, almost like a bit of a porcelain mask with a a store Santa costume, which is covered in blood, and he's holding like a hand axe, and he's just make he makes these sort of like strange noises. The only thing you hear from him is sort of it's. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I've been making loads of weird noises this week, but like the sound effect for him is is one H and three R's that just gets like louder, and like occasionally it's like H K K. Yeah, yeah. That's where Dan H- gets sent a lot. Oh, I tell you what, there's no- nothing more terrifying than HR. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so it builds up the, a sort of Christmas scenario, and then you see um, a woman in a, in a sort of department store. She comes across a figure who's strapped to this chair, 
pretty gruesome. This is a gruesome comic. Um, and then it cuts to like the middle of nowhere where they find like these victims of this killer. And there's a scene where a cop sort of runs. He he thinks he sees someone. This is like, can you imagine like you know when in those Amer like middle America, middle of nowhere. If it's snowy in the middle of nowhere at night, that's probably fucking terrifying. Uh, and the and like they find they find this crime scene in a barn. One of the cops thinks he sees the the perpetrator moving away in the so he runs after him. He falls over in the snow. And uh, even though the other cops are like, don't run off, we can't see where you're going. And he's like, you know, hurry up, you cowards. He falls over, drops his torch, and when he picks up his torch, he lifts it up. You can hear the noises then of this person. He lifts up the torch, and it's a double-page spread, right? And it's one of the most effective, eerie-looking shots. You know, the artwork is just... It's haunting. I'll have to send you guys on the WhatsApp yeah, this, yeah. this picture. And that from there, it cuts to sort of modern day. And there's clearly a mystery going on and lots of, you know, some character building. The The issue moves along at quite a pace. Um, but it almost, I think, it's almost too, it feels like there's not enough of it. Even though it's a longer issue, and when you read in it panel like panel view, it's got a nice pacing to it. But when you see that, like, there's a lot of splash pages in this book, which of course they're, they're great in their own way because Hickson's work looks lovely. Um, but there's, you know, on a whole, I'm thinking, should this have been four fifty, four seventy, you know? Four pounds fifty, four pounds seventy for an issue one of a nine-issue series. Um, if the other issues have the same price as this, I won't be continuing with it. Okay, right. Um, and this sounds weird because it's a very good start to what could be a brilliant dark horror crime sort of story, but it's the price point. Do you know what I mean? It's like if it's I wanted what was it again, mate. Sorry. Um, I think it was like four nineteen four, or it could have been four fifty. This one. Um, What's going on? Yeah, but and and that, right, that you know yeah. it's a shame because you know if I miss out on the rest of the issues, will I go back for that trade? You know, even and though who's I'm putting that out. This is this is an image book, mate. Oh, I shall come up with a solution for you in just a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it, it, that part of me was frustrating. You know, I because I am recommending this book. Um, it's it's worth checking out. I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes. I just hope that the marketplace. I mean, I'm going. Tony is, is obviously going to tell me where. What's what's going to make me happier in the future? And I think I know what that's going to be. But <laughs> but my in, ter arms. in terms of like you know the the weekly shop, it's it's unfortunate for the book that it could be potentially priced. It could price me out of continuing it. Um, yeah, which is a shame. But yeah, you know it, it it's but st the st talking about the content and the story, it is a cracking 
uh, sort of dark thriller, crime thriller, especially like set in the middle of like nowhere. Um, there's a mystery going on because obviously this killer's come back after like 50 years. So what's going on there? Um, it it almost it's it feels there's somewhat of a you know a vibe of like a Silence of the Lambs or True Detective that kind of character piece as well. There's some stuff going on, but um, yeah, that's all. Is it mystical or not? That, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's nothing about this to suggest that there's supernatural stuff going on, but there's something about it. There's a strangeness about there's it. There's a yeah. strangeness about it. Um, yeah. So the Devi- Deviant issue one, um, definitely sort of give it a, give it a look. Um, I'm interested to see like because it's going to be a Christmas story, but I guess most of it, it a lot of it's going to come out after Christmas. It's not a hallmark movie, yeah. though, is it? No. You know. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know. So that's my first one. Okay, cool. Tony. Um, so me and Rob Hardingham on the Slack have both um, gone in for, I think it's the gold the gold service on Global Comics. Um, now, um, they have Image as one of their customers on there amongst Mag Cave, AWA, Boom, Arkea, you name it pretty much. Um, I think don't think Dark Horse is on there, Valiant's on there, don't think Dynamite's on there, but nearly everyone else is on there. Mm-hmm. Um they some some companies put books out at the same time. So, for example, Rumpus Room, which I know you you got me into. V. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading that in the issues on. That's on there. awesome. I yeah, need to. That's I a need... great. I've just Did finished you... issue three. Yeah, it, I, I haven't finished issue three yet. Is it good? Does it continue? It's good. How good? Yeah, it's good. I'm, it's I'm good. Looking forward to yeah. That. yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying that. But some of the other companies, for, I think, I think I'm right in saying that. I'm, tr- I'm still trying to work the, the, it out. But I think Image put trade almost like put trades out on there. Hmm. So there's still every day you get a new version of it to download and they're still working on it. But I find it very user friendly at the moment. And I think I pay nine ninety nine a month. Today I read about thirty quid's worth of comics on. Wow. So it's gotta be worth hmm. it. Hmm. You know. Um so every week I thought because I'm enjoying it, because I'm sort of searching on it, me and me and Rob ask, oh, what are you reading? I'm reading this. What are you reading? And we, and we sort of recommend books to each other to read. And I know they're doing a big advertising push on Instagram at the moment in Instagram stories, you yeah. know, every See third them all one. the time now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we thought a lot of them, didn't we? We, we thought they were oh, that totally, lovely yeah. combination mm. of being lovers of comics, but also professionals. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's what these companies need. So I thought I'd do one a week just to sort of it'd be like comic house, really, you know, they, they also allow you to lead reviews on there. Say what you think about them. Give it a little emoji sign. They rec- you can you can add a, a publisher to your recommends, and every time there's a new release, you get an email saying what's new releases. It's doing what Comicsology should have been doing for years, yeah. to me. Yeah. So this week, I've I've not read that many Source Point Press books, um, and it's a small press outfit in America, so I thought it fitted into our our dynamic here so this is a source point press book in in association with magia comics it's called partisan this is issue one created by rami dubrow and carrie miles written by rami dubrow art by stan yak really liked his stuff actually colors by robert nugent letters and production by dave lentz um there yeah do you know what and when i read those i wrote because i write them down in a notebook who's involved so i always always like to credit people they don't credit an editor on this which made me realize that a lot of comics don't seem to credit editors anymore Okay. I'm wondering that companies that may be a bit like SourcePoint or maybe a bit like Image, sometimes they 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 don't have in-house editors. If that makes sense, they almost yeah. have editors who come as part of the creative package, and sometimes they don't have an editor. 
And I wonder if that's what's happening here. Or if the dude who oversees Source Point books in the same way that um, our guest just said, he said he, he, he is an editor, but he, he crafts it to start with and lets them get on with it. So maybe there's a bit of that. This worked out quite well. Um, opens in mid-escape in deep and heavy snow and three kids are escaping from a concentration camp. They're Jews who are in, in the Second World War and they're wearing the, the, stripe, the typical striped pyjamas and they don't look back and they're dashing into the woods. Boris, uh, Kaim and Itzik and they, they really do struggle to survive in the bitter cold with no food and they manage to start a fire. They escape into the deep, deep woods and they're, they're on the verge of um, starving to death. Itzik fancies himself as a bit of a magician and he has a book that he keeps trying to create a shape in the mud and he's almost there. He's almost created the golem and he's even got a lightning to strike the ground, but he's just, he feels like he's missing a, you know, a very important part of it and he keeps trying, but the, 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 the creature doesn't come up to live. Um, but the kids aren't without guile to be fair. They're, they're sharp, clever survivors and they have a contact in town who gets some food and they go into town to try and collect firewood and food and stuff. And they're caught in a raid by Jewish freedom fighters on a train there. And the Jewish freedom fighters are successful and kill the Germans. But it turns out that one of them is Roska, who's its, its sister. And they head back to their massive camp that they have in the woods and they finally get some food. And Roska says to her brother, I can help you with this. I think I know what you're missing in this book. And of course, as we all know, what happens in the end is the golem does rise, but there's a clever twist to it as well, which you notice on the last page. You go, was well, inevitability this creature is going to appear because it appears on the cover of the comic, but there's something else that happens which makes it in more interesting for me because I was waiting okay. for that to happen. I was reading the book, it's, it's well told that the characters are well developed, but I was waiting for the creature to appear, the golem to appear, and then there's something else happens which is good, which makes it thoughtful. The, the, the writer knows what he's doing in this. I've um. I don't think I've recommended many source point books. I think I genuinely can only think of one, and it's a they're they're an indie published from the states. We never seem to who never seems to be visible in the UK. We never seem to see them yeah. on the shelf. Yeah, I think I, like I think that. I think we've had a few recommendations on on the part either you or I think I've spotted them on a on a yeah look through comicsology in the yeah, old yeah. the old days of comicsology <clears throat> I guess. Um, but it got me digging into the the global comics app, and I've tagged them as a as a publisher now, so I get notifications of new books from them. This is a mini series. The characters are are very well created. There's been quite a lot. We did. We I did a, a show about you know the Holocaust, comics that's come from the Holocaust yeah. recently on NIA, and um, these kids aren't just cliches; they're individuals. And you feel, I think maybe it is the snow. I enjoy a comic in the snow, but you feel the the cold in your bones when you're reading this comic which i think is a really good sign it's got really really good pacing it's not what you expect which i like and the i mean the arts is good quality especially for an indie book you know it's 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 well crafted it, for, a, for a guy i've not seen much work of from before he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's doing facially put it that way the kids are all individuals there, there, no one's perfect in it. No one's, you know, Roska, who's the sister, turns up. She could easily be just treated as this sort of superheroine who turns up and saves the day. But no, there's something about her that's vulnerable as well, which I really liked. I would say probably 
he over there's a slight overuse of digital backgrounds and effects okay um but otherwise re really a comic is good if it draws you in and you read yeah. it and you come out the other side and i think that's what this did um i'm on board for the series i'm going to read it i'm going to read it all on global comics if i like it like it by the time it ends i might pick up a trade so good good on them for being Man, on there. i've got to nice. get on global comics yeah i really yeah. do yeah nice. good stuff nice. so that's partisan issue one get yourself a get yourself a subscription i think it's one of these if you do it on your ipad or whatever you can just drop it when you fancy it can't you, you don't yeah. have to yeah. carry on with it yeah yeah well it's like yeah. a lot of streaming you know streaming services yeah. it's like for video isn't it the amount of times i've dropped them anyway <laughs> something i'd never drop dan butcher what would you like to recommend i'm gonna give a quick shout out because we went in on uh issue 301 of gi joe which kind of yeah. rebranded itself as kind of like a relaunch but it's not really it's like a pretty much continuation from it must have been the idw stories set before but this time it's written by uh, Larry Hammer. Obviously, it's the the original uh, on the, the Marvel series. They got art by Chris Minihem. A colorist is Francesco Sigala, and letter art is Pat Bruchel. Uh The art kind of reminds me of Sean Gordon Murphy. I, I'm not sure if I've Ooh, okay. uh, come across this guy before. Is oh, he Vince? Yeah, is Minihem yeah. an Irish guy? Is he from Ireland? I don't I know. Remember, I've I've read a, uh, yeah, a I've read comics. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Mooneyham's. He's been about for a while. Yeah, he's yeah. on the he's at the con scene. I think he does New York Comic Con every year. Would yeah. you say that's fair? That that comparison? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got that sort of scratchy sort of uh, line work to it. I yeah. think. Um, there's a. It's almost like a, a melding of that and a Q. And I'm not saying Cuba because they do the cover, but there's a there's a Cuba esque yeah. sort of style to it a little bit as well. But I, okay. I think it fits quite well for the GI. Yeah, universe. I was initially I was like, oh god, is this going to work? And then by by the end of it, I was like, oh, this yeah. is fine. Well, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I'm not too sure about the story. After reading the comic, I was like, uh, okay, I'm not sure if this is for me. Uh, this one, I'm going to give the second issue a go. But like, it, the team that are on the comic, half of them are ninjas, and it's like, does everyone have to be a ninja? It's <laughs> yeah. everyone's like, a ninja. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, oh. it, it does some interesting story beats as well, doesn't it? That I yes, think, like um, <coughs> cough cough zombie possibly. Yeah, I was oh, like no, really? zombies. Yeah. I was like yeah. really okay. Uh, um, yeah. didn't really see that coming but uh yeah. i'm willing see, to see it. where it goes isn't it it's yeah like... i'm give i'm willing to give it the second issue a go and see see what it's like i'm gonna start so is this on... a mini then is this essentially no, just i'm going yeah, so oh, okay. I'm going now. yeah. Right. so it's continuing the run from the initial marvel comics yeah. to, to now so uh okay. i know um, speed jason wood was talking about it on eoc this week because he's a massive um gi joe fan he was talking oh, about it this week. yeah 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 uh, I managed to get my hands on uh, some digital versions of the initial uh, G.I. Joe run, so I want to give give them a read from the beginning, see how we get on. Uh, off the back of that, I've been doing that uh, Joe Vember, and one of the oh, yeah, other, that's great, man. One yeah. of the other guys who's been doing it uh, is a chap called Matty Comics on Instagram, and he's got a G.I. Joe comic called uh, Foo Bar in Dunwich, which I bought. And All right. In it, he... It's like a fan parody comic where Snake Eyes goes to Dunwich and Cobra are starting up their own kind of cult there. And he kind of hacks and slaughters his way through. There's zombies, there's knob, bum, fart jokes. It's, <laughs> if you're kind I of love like, fan comics. Yeah. Oh, if you're kind of like... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you like kind of the stuff like tribute and stuff we like and laugh at, uh, I'm sure you'll uh, get a kick out of reading this. I thought it was a lot of fun. 
so uh do go check that out it's it's really fun nice nice that's at matty comics m-a-t-t-y-c-o-m-i-x okay definitely have to check them out um my second one is a dark horse book um by um the best-selling host of the hit the last podcast on the left have you heard of that show Lots of people have heard of that show. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Black Hammer's David Rubin, um, the artist, uh, is the comic Operation Sunshine. It's a humorous, horror, and action-packed comic book series that's near dark meets Ocean's Eleven. Not quite sure where the Ocean's Eleven bit comes in, to be fair. Um, (laughs) The synopsis uh, on the book is a group of young alienated vampires known as Bugs plot to steal a magical object from from ancient monstrous vampires to turn themselves back to human. There's more to the synopsis, but I think that's that's all I, I that's what I thought. Okay, I, I, you know, and there's been a I think the second issue just came out, um, but the first issue obviously the price drops considerably. So issue one, wanted to check this out, and had a lot of fun reading this one. Um, this credits script by Henry Zebrowski and Marcus Parks. Interesting, it says script and it doesn't say story, it just says script. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, art by David Rubin, colours by KJ Diaz, letters by Ferran Delgado. Um, it had a few different uh, variant covers, but one with David Aja and one with Kelly Jones and Malachi Ward. Um, of course, the usual Dark Horse publishing team behind this. Um, for a title that um, you think, oh, vampires, the, it, what what new can there be? put in that sort of genre we've seen them a million times much like zombies vampires and zombies are what what else can you do with them for me what this book does that's different is a lot through sort of uh, rubin's work um which i had great fun sort of reading there's a sort of a cartoonish sort of aspect to these characters um one of those artists that sometimes when you see a character from from a little distance away their eyes are dots instead of like putting like total detail into it um and you're following like a a a vampire that's been around for a few years and uh she comes across this figure that's running away from what they call like a like an ov is it ov ov like an original vampire now this is the thing that that makes that makes it sort of different because you have the bugs who are essentially they've been turned and they're, they're the normal people like you or I who have been turned into vampires. Um, but the OV vampires are almost... They look like something out of um, the book Outer Darkness. Um, there's okay, an, yeah. There's an, it looks like, they look like alien bats. They have like huge eyes and their jaws sort of split apart. They, and they've got these huge ears. Um, but they walk on sort of hind legs and they've got tails. It's, it's a strange alien-like design. And just like, rather than having like fangs, it, 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 there's like... The huge teeth these look bestial um but even though they look bestial they've still they can you know they're still very intelligent and um can converse and, and things but they, they clearly don't like bugs um who, who are seen as like just scum really um and there's two main characters in this it seems to be um the synopsis made it seem like there's a big team of vampires that are trying to find this magical artifact which we haven't even really got to by the end of the first issue um, but it seems to be centred around two sort of main characters. Um, there's a um, young female. I say young female. She's been around for like 350 years. 
<laughs> and, and then you've got like a, a right, sweetheart, a, a more a, a character that's been turned more recently, um, who's like an office worker. He hasn't really told told his the rest of his crew. He's put like he works in the day, but he's covered his cubicle in like covers so he can work at his desk constantly. So they they just think he's getting quite sick. And you see a, a flashback to how he how he actually turned. There's a lovely sense of humour, like like dark vampiric humor running through this thing it is it is very written if that makes sense um and i i think it benefits from a guided view read because when i was reading it as as guided view each panel looks lovely i'm immediately a fan of ruben's work and the coloring's amazing well what the coloring team does on this yeah. but but each panel sort of it 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 moves at a pace. The story does move at a pace, but there is that. And I know Tony, you've mentioned it before that some sometimes things can be a bit overwritten, especially yeah. especially with people who don't necessarily, you know, haven't. Maybe there's a things. lack of confidence sometimes in leaning. Yeah. Maybe it's when you're and you're working new with an artist. Sometimes yeah. people feel they have to overwrite, don't they? And it's interesting because I look at some of these panels. There, there's a point when the two figures meet up in the guy's sort of apartment. And it, they're almost they're getting to know each other and they're talking. And when I was reading it, Guided View, it worked really well. You know, it was snappy dialogue, moving at quite a pace. You know, you're flicking through. There's a lovely rhythm to it. As I'm staring now at, at a couple of pages, you know, still looks lovely. But some readers who might flick through it on the in the, on the shelves might look at it and go, "Oh, there's a lot of words in this." Mm. And it's a strange yeah. thing, isn't it? Sometimes a comic looks more wordy than it actually is when you read it. Yeah. Especially with dialogue, I, I think. I think it depends on the genre and yeah. what you're going for in the writing and the in the story yeah. sometimes, yeah. isn't it? You know? yeah. And the important thing is all of that all of those words have to have a point and a meaning. Which thankfully Yeah, strip this... it back. If it doesn't do any good, strip yeah. it back. Yeah. yeah. Um but it's all there for a reason in this. It's lovely character work, lots of humour. The story sort of opens up they meet a, a third vampire who seems to be more like an ancient vampire who who drops a little bit of lore on them, you know, which therefore lets the reader know a bit more of what's going on. And they have to then they're set on their sort of their quest. Um, it was I'm looking forward to issue two. I haven't, I haven't bought it yet. Um, I think I'm gonna uh, read it straight away because it's, there's there's just a something like this might be sort of tucked away as well because the cover, even though I love the art. When I look at the cover now, it's a lovely piece of artwork that shows you. It's one of the main figures on top of like a, the classic stood like crouched on top of a building, just smoking a cigarette, uh, and there's like a plume of smoke coming out from one of the vents. And in the plume of smoke, you can see it front and center what these sort of bat-like vampires look like. It's a lovely image. the The words "Operation Sunshine" and everything do nothing for it. It's sort of like it's not it's not punchy enough for an issue one, um, right? You know, I, I think it doesn't mm. represent the joy I had inside the book when there's okay. some there's a lot of color and vibrance and character going it's on. It's the job of the cover, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it'd be interesting to see what the, the variants are like. But you know, I, I this is a if you want some if you like vampire tales but you're looking for something a little fresh, I think this is worth a shout. Because um, okay. I, know, I know we did a lot of vampire talking in, in October, but Operation Sunshine's worth worth checking out. And there's two issues available now from Dark Horse. That's my second recommend of the week. 
Nice one, babe. Yeah, nice one. Right. Take it away, Tony. Uh, my last one, very quick. Positron, the galaxy's greatest comic book, issue two, from Antimatter Press, sent in by creator Zach Gayle, who I met is a listener. Hey, Zach. And I met him at the Safeness Flea Market. He came over. Had a good chat with him. Nice dude. Um, this is the second issue in a series that I think began in 2003 that Zach did, I think when he was much younger, and then abandoned. Yeah, the next issue, issue three, was the next issue is going to be three mini-comics, rather. He's going to do all as one release, which are all separate stories. I love this sort of thing. This is where you can do it, in the small press. And I think yeah. ideal. This um, Positron is a super-powered space adventurer, and he's searching for something called the Ult- Ultimon. And he has come to investigate the theft of the Ultimon on, and a man who is suspected of having stolen it called the Big Man. The first issue, he was stranded on a planet inhabited by women only. I love a sci-fi story where there's only women on that planet. Oh, what are you? Are you a man? Tell us about <laughs> men. I like that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> um, and in the issue, Positron is getting a team together to infiltrate the city stroke prison, and he dresses up as a native. I'll let you work out what that is. And he's he's given 0-1 to help him and Natasha Gunhands, who's the other help. They're, they're great characters. Natasha Gunhands, cracking. She carries on all the way through, you'll see. And they are, but they're stopped in the tracks by a crabosaur, which is a Tyrannosaurus Rex with crab hands, crab pincer hands, <laughs> and, can, and can talk. Um, Positron quickly dispatches it with a punch and the adventure continues apace. And we, we this is some of the people we meet. We meet General anabolica fearless third um uh interstellar there's some interstellar strumpets that's a great phase interstellar strumpets some <laughs> some female furies with a lot with a lot of i mean there's there's a lot of homage to kirby Dicko visuals in this in a play albeit in black and white um they come across the dinosaur again and we get some time travel shrink wrap and we at the end we also get a short one pager called cutting through the jargon with Werner heisenberg and he discusses some of the science and explains what a positron actually is. There's also in the back, you can send in $10.99 off and you get your very own Hadron Collider. Um, uh, although it may open portals to dark dimensions, so buy beware. Thoughts on this one? This is, uh, <laughs> it reads, do you, do you understand the concept of power comics, guys? Is that something you've come across? No, no, no. I've never, never heard of, of that. Overly serious black and white 80s comics. Um, which we look back now, we we can see are quite funny. Lothar is the one that is just getting collected. It's a bit of the sort of poster child of it. Um, this reminds me of a power comic, but better drawn and much funnier. Put it that way. But it's got that wacky sci-fi, throws everything at the wall, does what it likes okay. kind of thing. It's really fun, and it is genuinely very fresh. Harks back to that imagination you've got when people like Kirby and the like don mcgregor and all these sort of guys were just doing what they liked on a page one could almost say there's a little bit of kill raven in it as well um a little bit of um star hunters you know all that sort of thing thrown into it and it pokes fun at everyone and everything it's got a great eye-catching cover with a dinosaur always uh, do what uh, carmine infantino says always put a dinosaur on the cover gentlemen always gets the attention on the newsstand <laughs> so <laughs> I, I did message Zach to say I'd really enjoyed this. I read it this morning and it was fun. It just cheered me up to read this sort of... Uh, our buddy Vince over at EOC always says comics should be ridiculous and this is this is kind of right. I'm making right with this. You need that little fun in your day. So it's called Positron, the Galaxy's Greatest Comic Book, Issue 2. I don't... I think you can... If you find Zach Cahill online, you can get a copy from him there. 
you may be lucky. There may be only a couple of issues in Gosh, but there might be one left. And I think Jam Bookshop, which is in Hackney, if you can get in when they're open, you'll find a copy there as well. So that's my second one, guys. There you go. Nice. Fun. There yeah. you go. Tons of comics for you to go forth, check out and read. And we hope you have enjoyed this week's episode of Whovian Madness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why that just made me laugh. Just, <laughs> Universe. Like, yeah. If it did. Yeah, is that like? Uh, should there be a, a crossover with like uh, the Grinch or something? Uh, they have done some terrible because Christmas they, specials, haven't be, they? Because they live in Whoville. Is that where the yeah, Grinch yeah, lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Didn't they do a superhero one the other year? I couldn't watch that. That was awful. Oh, God, I didn't watch that. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of awful, so's the ending to this episode. Yeah, but the but the comics were great and the content we hope you enjoyed as well. If there's anything you want us to talk about in the lead up to Christmas and maybe in 2024, what what do you want this show to be? What do you want the content to be? What do you, what do you want to know about comics publishing, comics making, comics reading? We've had a few suggestions for yeah. guests on the uh, slacks. Have a look. Yeah. So we think of those. We've ones got well. some yeah. uh, shows planned coming up. They're still in the works. Yeah. So uh, yeah. stay tuned for them. And there's going to be lots of uh, laughs and great indie comic content as always. As we, I've got finish, next week's lined up already. Finish off about. 2023. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you want us to talk about anything, or if you've got any charity drives, or if you've got anything you want us to talk about, email us awesomecomicspod at gmail Follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're on at awesomecomicspod. We're now active on there more so. We're also on uh, X at the Awesome Pod, but you know, where you can find a link. Really enjoying show. Instagram, aren't we? Seems yeah, to be going really well. Yeah, yeah. So uh follow us on there. You might we'll be on there even more, all three of us eventually. Just posting mm. even more on there. Yeah. Um follow us on the website well, thank you for listening to us, whether it was on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, thank you very much. Say something nice, leave a review. Helps get the word out about this show and everything we talk about on a weekly basis. We're also on networks like Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife. What are the networks we on, Tony? We're also on the Pod Network. Right, nobody worry. Don't worry about your business. Don't worry about getting paid your wages. Tom says everything's fine. <sighs> Thank fuck for that. That's a long podcast, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, also, don't forget, you can go to acprecommends.com. Yes, that's yes. brilliant. Yes, well, Craig is uh, doing doing God's work and putting out, listening to he us and then Craig. putting the, the comics out that yeah, we'll talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. And also, there is a legendary community on the Awesome Comics Podcast Slack group. If you want to join that community, get in touch with us. We'll add you to it. Loads of different channels, um, whether it be like kickstarting, rant. There's a keep the conversation of the, of the episodes going in a podcast discussion channel as well as there's art threads there'll probably be some christmas stuff as well there'll be all kinds of goodness mm. but it's all very positive we're, we're yeah. very pro positive chat we there's absolutely if there's hateful stuff fuck off you're off so <laughs> no to be fair on the slack nobody's been hateful. no mate no it's completely I'm self-regulated completely and it's yeah. self-regulated and it's wonderful so come on in the water's warm that's a bit weird why did i say that <laughs> So I think I might need to uh, open up an AI channel because that's the one that never seems to go away. <laughs> Doesn't it? What are you just going to open, it? Gonna open seen... it up and let the AI fill it in? Well, for the robots. <laughs> yeah. There's some video painting I've seen today where people are just putting marks on a canvas on the left and it's been painted on the right by the AI. And it's like, how can you get any sense of accomplishment from this? This is. Damn, why are you watching it? It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a full. 
It's like someone else wanking while you watch. Ain't the same, no, is it? No. What? Ain't. We need to have some discussions. But uh, so uh, we're going to go <laughs> no do eye that. Contact, though. But where no. can people find us online, etc.? Tony. Neveronanything.com. Don't forget, every Wednesday I'm putting up my favourite book of the week and my least favourite book of the week. Hey, Dan. Brilliant. You can, you can, I don't know where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, which I'm posting up my uh, Jovember pics on. And uh, you can read Vanguard at vanguardcomic.com, which returns uh, in January 2024. Who's your favourite G.I. Joe character, Dan? I don't know. There's so many good ones. I, I think I might have to go for uh, the first one I ever got as a figure, and that was Barbecue. Oh, legend. I got one of the new yeah. figures of Barbecue behind me right now. He's a dude. Uh, he's he called barbecue. Yeah, yeah, he's called barbecue. He's like, he fires fires and also has a flamethrower on his back, yeah, which yeah, seems a bit does. counterintuitive. And also, one of the do some ribs at lunch. One of the <laughs> one of the facts that I've never forgotten that was on like his stat card. I think I believe he can open, or maybe it was in the comic. He can open beer bottles with his ears. What a fucking legend! <laughs> what a legend! What a legend! Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you? Right, yeah, I mean, if, if you if you could, Christmas I'd do would be it on amazing. you. No, oh, yeah. no, I well, do it myself. Oh dear! And uh, while we're doing those things to each other, <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Um, no matter where, you, did I say where I was at? You can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. If I haven't said it already, awesome. um, it's it's gone off the rails. So while we try to figure out what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, enjoy the comics you're reading and you're making. Keep reading and keep making loads of comics. We hope you're happy, healthy, and uh, no matter what time period you live in. It's another Doctor Who reference there. We hope you're doing well. And from all that of us, a stretch. from all of us, <laughs> uh, awesome pod towers, Dan, Tony, and myself. Yes. Well, what should they do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Oh, Tony, you're very energetic this week. Um, yeah, I've had too much coffee, and it's still it's late at night. I'm going to be up all night. Oh God! Bye, everyone. We're texting you two. Oh no. Yeah. Uh...